You're listening to episode 269 of the Comics Files. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Willem Dafoe, more like Willem to find some more work after this fuck ass movie. Not your best. I came in way harder than I intended to. You came in way hot. It wasn't a great yeah. joke. Yeah. I'm- no, I, 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 it was a good joke. I just came in too hot. I don't know, dude. Marco, back me up here. It's a good joke. Willem Dafoe, more like Willem, don't say that joke. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And that was slightly better. That was better. The the joke works. (laughs) (laughs) But it was only better because it was like bad and it was making fun of your bad. (laughs) So it's just like a joke works bad. Uh, I don't know. Just like you, I think it, it, it like only barely slightly works. And even then, it kind of does it. <laughs> Only yeah. barely slightly works. Yeah, that sounds like Kale. Yep. Yeah. We are living in a post Spider Man No Way Home world. Pete repping the shirt, uh, Kale repping uh, Christmas on his shirt. Christmas, Pikachu. Uh, Marco, what do you say? Marco repping Swamp Thing, of course. Marco. Marco repping Swamp Thing. Uh, I'm repping, uh, I think, Old Navy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I am repping Christmas. You're right. In my background. Uh, I have a, a tree in my background for those of you who are not watching on YouTube, which you should. Uh, YouTube.com slash the comics pals help us get to 500 subscribers over there. We would really appreciate that. Uh, like the video, share it with your friends. Drop us a comment. All you guys are great about it, so please keep it up. Uh, on podcast hosting platforms, follow, rating, review, all that stuff is free, and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. If you leave us a review, we'll read it on the air. So uh, go ahead and do that. Uh, on the book club front, the last book club of the year, which is going to be dropping on the 28th of December, is Scott Pilgrim. Oh shit! Yeah, Pete is hosting that. Yes, indeed. I have played the video game, (laughs) so you've got a good basis then. I did have to. You've seen the movie? Uh, Not really. Kind of. Like you've like caught part of it or something? Like probably ten years ago. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, we've seen any other Michael Sarah movies, so. Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah, he is fucking yeah, disrespectful yeah. to Edgar Wright, but okay. <laughs> Listen, you picked a shitty lead. I can't help that. Yeah, you know, I made the same problem a couple years ago. This guy from Texas I thought would work out. You know, I don't know. You're telling me, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, a shitty li- lead. <laughs> listen to our Spider-Man No Way Home review. We are not reviewing it in the body of this episode, nor will we be spoiling it in the body of this episode we want to make sure that anyone who wants to go into it without any knowledge whatsoever can trust that we will not spoil it for them speaking of which if you want to know whether or not i am going to be watching all of the pirates of the caribbean movies as per the bet that pete and i made last week on the show you're going to have to tune in over there. You know what I was th- I was thinking about this bet. I was editing the uh 
the the weekly reviews this week and you were talking about it with Tyler this was like the worst bet you could have made because there's no there's there's no victory for you it was only if you weren't right you had to do an awful thing you had no there was no win condition for you I so like I on the review I was gonna have a win condition and I was gonna do it when it would pop, we popped up there oh okay great well, uh, hopefully I won because I don't want to watch the Pirates movies. But I will say this. The caveat that Tyler threw in whereby he would watch them with me sounded pretty good. That makes it oh. too much fun. No. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, that would not have been like, like I want veto, vetoed. I yeah. want the people to see you going through it alone. You know, like that's the thing. That's the content. I want to. I want Atlas just carrying the world on his shoulders. You know, I want to experience the first time Sean hears Jack Sparrow go. Why? But why is the rum gone? I didn't understand that. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't want to understand it. He's the worst pirate I've ever seen. That's you mess up the line. No, I didn't. Okay. All right. <laughs> I wasn't quoting. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. You're the I'm worst Sean, pirate. Sh- Sean's seen. the worst pirate I've ever seen. Me? No. I think I'd be a better pirate than you. No. Yes. You can't even you can't even eat a slice of cheese. Are you kidding me right now? You can't even move, you all old fuck. To, all he needs to do is eat limes, right? That's you gotta avoid <laughs> the scurvy. That's the big worry. I'll cut off my hands and my legs. What's the problem? Sean, you, you can't can eat limes, right? The ship. I guess. I don't know. Right. Well, I can drink Sprite, so. Okay, all right, good. Mm, no, it's the same thing. I think that's the same, right? <laughs> no, Live flavoring thing. doesn't prevent scurvy is what you're saying, Marco? <laughs> I don't think that's the same thing. I just meant, like, if I can drink Sprite, then I can probably eat one. All right, okay. You I hope so. so. <laughs> I mean, shit. Um, I, can, I can consume butter, but I can't eat uh, cheese. How about that? But, but you butter not. God, dude. That's rough. Um, yeah, we have plenty of show for you guys this week that doesn't include Kale's uh, shitty jokes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess it includes them because he's here. Those are the only kind of jokes he does. Mm-hmm. But you know, we'll we'll do our best. We have so many comic book announcements to get through. Tom King is going to be uh, returning to the Batcave one more time. Uh, we've got a black label book that doesn't feature Batman or Joker or Wonder Woman, if you can believe that. Oh, okay. We know who the final member of the Marauders is, and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're going to be talking in our main comic about Kickstarter's big, dumb decision. Whoa, oh, whoa. Boy. Let's have the conversation. No. Oh, we will have the conversation. But I got to tell you, man, it's not looking good for you today, Marco. Whoa, whoa, wait. wait hold on a second. We'll get there. Okay. All right. Can't Fair wait enough, for Marco dude. to out himself. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's out. Yeah, he's, he's out, dumb, yeah, he's dumb been out. out. <laughs> yeah, he's he's pretty out. My man put puts his shit out on Front Street. He's like, I have bought thirty thousand dollars in Swamp Thing uh, NFTs. A- NFTs. Yeah, <laughs> it's all on my Twitter. Go follow. Don't screenshot. I already screenshot all of it. <laughs> 
You know what? Speaking of NFTs, I today. All right. I have a bone to pick with AMC. You didn't get it. I didn't get it because you're not a shareholder. No, Marco. Listen, man. Okay. 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 My aunt's coworker. Okay. Who calls me sometimes? Yes. How shady as hell already. He (laughs) got his NFT and he's not a shareholder. Huh. And I got my ticket before him. So they owe you you an NFT. AMC, you owe me an NFT ASAP. (laughs) T.Y. Do you want me to steal it for you? Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask your aunt's coworker to show it to us. We screenshot it real quick and then we own it. Yeah. That's a good strategy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't think of that. There we go. Look, if you ever need advice committing crimes, Sean, you know, we're all we're here to support you. That's yeah, I, I do appreciate that. I just feel, you know, I feel robbed. I, I, I didn't. It's not that I like NFTs. I just figure if they're giving them out and there's money to be made. Right. And yeah. it's free for me. I should just sell it. Oh, sure. Hmm. Look, if some I, idiot wants to pay you for a JPEG, then, yeah, I mean, it's, you know. Exactly. Cash I would have sold it. Yeah. But uh, oh, well, I do have. An announcement to make. We collectively have an announcement to make. And so I am going to turn it over to Pete to make the announcement for today. Yeah. So uh, I have um, some news to share with you, pals. Um, The upcoming episode next week's show, which will be our last for the year, uh, will also be my last show uh, here with the Comics Pals. The last regular show, the the book club uh, comes out. We'll come out afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, I'm sure that that there are some questions that come with that. So, you know, I'll try to keep it brief because I don't I don't want to you know eat up too much airtime here. But um, I want to just start by saying thank you to the listeners um, for for giving me this platform, uh, not only to talk about comics every week with some of my best buds, but um, that. Also, let me, you know, live, um, you know, like some of like my personal dreams. You know, I uh, got to be a member of the press at Comic Con, interview creators who I've spent like most of my adult life looking up to, um, and I even got to be a comic book character. Uh, so, you know, that's uh, something I wanted since I was a child. Um, so, you know, um, none none of those things would have been possible uh, without you listening and your support and um, you know, it, it really, really means a lot to me um, that y'all have chosen to make our show a part of your week every week um, and, you know, invited us into your, your homes and your lives. Um, so I, I want to start by just saying thank you for that. And um, as for, you know, why it's happening, I, you know, I think the, the shortest answer is that, you know, um, despite how much I, I love doing the show, um, as I'm getting older, I am kind of looking to slow down a little bit and spend less time um, working and, and making content and, you know, just kind of um, being a person a little bit more. And, you know, I think um, beyond that, wanting to kind of step back from journalism a little bit and, you know, just uh, enjoy comics as, as a fan again, um, rather than a critic. So, um, you know, I think... Uh, from 
where things move from here, right? Like I know that I I leave the show in in extremely capable hands, and you know I am excited to see uh, what the guys do from here um, as a listener. And you know I hope that this is not uh, the last time that I'm on the show or the last time that you hear from me here on on this platform. But um, you know, uh, again, just thank you so much for um, for tuning in and uh caring about <laughs> what i had to say and and uh accepting me so um thank you so much for that and you know if you want to um keep up with me you can always find me on twitter i'm around um i'm sure i'll still be you know uh in the discord from time to time talking about books and stuff so um it will hopefully not be the last time that we speak but um you know again thank you and i love you well uh we love you too. I think that uh, everyone who's listening right now probably, you know, feels the same that it is a it is a big loss. Um, and thankfully, this is not your last episode, as you said. Uh, so we will be seeing you again. Um, I mean, even after that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and uh, all I want is to make sure that these last few things that we do together are going to be awesome. And so it's cool that we get to talk about Spider-Man, No Way Home, uh, and all the cool stuff we're going to talk about today and in the next week or so. Uh, So there's a lot of stuff still to go before we do officially say goodbye to Pete, which will be again on our next show. But we wanted to put that out there for you guys to know now so that it's not some crazy surprise uh, in January when there's no Pete. Yeah, and if you know if anybody wants to reach out or ask me questions or anything about anything, like I'm an open book, so please um, talk to me. Well, uh, that's not the end of the show. Let's 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 move forward and keep the fun going. Uh, let's get into the listener comments. We got one that we wanted to read this week, but it's a doozy, so uh, we'll, we figure we just focus on this one. Pete, take it away. Yeah, so this one comes from Marley, who wrote in on our Made in Korea number six review. And uh, they wrote in and said, Hey guys, I love your podcast and I always look forward to it, but I felt the need to speak up. I died inside listening to this because I'm trans and it feels like y'all missed the takeaway with Made in Korea. Yes, the ending did feel rushed, but with that last page reveal, the prior issues suddenly add a lot more weight and context. Jesse is trans and not a she-her. Jesse began to have a more masculine slash male appearance earlier on and constantly felt confused and curious. The AI aspect of this book is an interesting way of navigating the trans slash queer struggle, as we often face the same dilemmas. We exist, but since we repress our authentic selves, existence didn't feel human. Constantly questioning if we're fitting in, the home life battles, etc. It'll be fun to reread the series in trade with that perspective. Kudos to the writer uh, starting the hints off immediately with a unisex name. Anyways, I hope this didn't sound hostile. I love y'all well first of all marley thank you for writing in um not hostile at all um and thanks for for tuning in appreciate that uh that you love the show thank you um yeah sean do you want to i know you you all had like a bit of a back and forth on youtube already but yeah do you want to respond first yeah sure uh so as pete mentioned we did have a back and forth on youtube uh and i appreciate you know civility of course uh, and so civility will always be returned in kind. Um, and it's good to have the conversation, you know, uh, no matter what it's about. I, I think um, 
I guess I I like I definitely see where uh, Marley's coming from. I felt that you know Pete and I and people speak for himself, but I felt that we had a conversation about that. Um, I, I did listen back. We never explicitly used the phrase like trans, but we used the phrase transition. Um, transcend because that was sort of the language that was presented within the book. Um, but we, I think we understood what the implication was. Um, and the reason why I was referring to Jesse is she is because at least as far as like, I thought about it and this could be wrong, but like we were, when we were talking about Jesse, that was what, like, I didn't know what else to say. Well, when we spoke about James, which was the, new, the not the new character, but who, who Jesse became, uh, I thought we referred to uh, James as as he. Um, Something I think I remember seeing in, in one of Marley's comments was um, that we there were times where we were having the conversation about Jesse um, and were like kind of interchangeably using those pronouns. And like, I know I shifted to trying to use gender neutral pronouns at one point because I didn't, I, I kind of like was hitting a point of like, okay, like we haven't explicitly had this character's uh, gender addressed post transition. And right. just because someone transitions doesn't inherently mean that they switch pronouns to like from she, her to he, him. So I, right. I that's something that like, I think, Listening back, I I definitely see where you're coming from, Marley, and I feel like, um, at least to speak for myself, like in the way I was trying to dance around it, I probably could have put a finer point on that just to clarify what I was trying to say. Um, so I appreciate that feedback. Um, yeah, it's definitely like I, I'm I agree with Sean in terms of I feel like we we got what was trying to be put down and and we definitely appreciated it and praised it for that but i think listening back i recognize that like just some of the ways in which i express what i was saying it probably wasn't always clear what i was trying to get across or why i was saying what i was saying so um and i think that's like something that um you know is is uh it's something i know that i'm i'm always trying to personally work on is just you know like being more thoughtful about my language and, and how I use it um, because, you know, obviously like our intent was not to, um, to make you feel any kind of, you know, negative way about, about it. Um, so yeah, I am, I am sorry that you had that takeaway. Um, and uh, I feel like your feedback was helpful to, uh, you know, to, to keep that in mind next, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> to keep that in mind next time and moving forward. Um, so I, I do appreciate you taking the time to write in Marley. Yeah. And in, in addition, I would say uh, to what Pete had mentioned about they're not, or at least for me, because I do agree, not feeling uh, like there was full clarity about what uh, about what James's gender identity was um, just because like the dad refers to james's son so i guess we probably should have yeah made but, that assumption but that can also be problematic yeah if if it, I, I i guess like because even in the review right i said like 
I want to explore this. You know, what, what does this mean? What does this mean for James was, was cause I wasn't even like when I first, first read the comic, I wasn't even sure that that meant fully that Jesse had transitioned. I thought, Oh, maybe Jesse took on a body that was available, but didn't care that it was a male body. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that Jesse may not have seen that as mattering. And that could have been the point of the story that it didn't matter. And, and I feel like, uh, and you know, again, I don't mean to speak for you, Sean, but um, to build on that, I, I also recognize that there are times, right. Where like, while um, experiencing really any narrative, right. But particularly um, queer narratives, right. As two people who are not queer, um, there are things like that, that, will be obvious to you because it's relevant to your lived experience and you know um you're gonna clock those things better and you know in a way that we can't so um yeah so i mean like there were a lot of things that retroactively i was like oh yes like this is clear like this was building towards this and I, i remember we talked about it in our interview with jeremy last week um like the shopping mall uh issue i guess that was issue four um or five 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 i think four was the the school where like i remember having that inkling and thinking that that was something that maybe jesse was thinking about or exploring um but yeah yeah i yeah i i totally see where you're coming from and again i i appreciate you um taking the time to write in and do so in a way that uh you know was um was like cool headed and respectful and everything. And that we were able to have a dialogue about it. Yeah. The last thing we're looking for on the show is like all, all jokes aside, obviously is, uh, you know, upsetting someone uh, who is a listener and is just, you know, looking for us to uh, have good, good informed conversations that, you know, uh, I'm never going to be upset about being corrected. So I appreciate it. No, Uh, it's definitely cool. We're cool for sure. And uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I it would be easy for you to not share this comment because you were afraid of how it would be received. And I appreciate that you felt like you could. Yeah, absolutely. And we love you, too. Yeah. Thank you so much, Marley. Uh, awesome. And please write in again. Right. First time here. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I I uh, I, I believe so. Um. I shared with Marley the Jeremy Holt interview that we did. So I don't know if Marley got the chance to hear that, but I'm anxious to hear uh, what Marley thinks. Please. Let's, uh, let's do the Pals polls. Start with uh, with Kale, with something that I know nothing at all about. Lupin the Third Greatest Heights Heists Collection. Lupin the Third. Uh, so Lupin uh, was a manga and anime done by a guy called Monkey Punch. Uh, Wait, what? That's fucking awesome. His name is Monkey Punch. Yeah, that's um, sick. <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a a heist uh, story. Several stories. It's a, it's about a thief and his friends and the cop that chases them and the 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 various femme fatales that you know are sexy and he's chasing them and oh, it's tremendous. Um, Easily one of my favorite animes of all time. Um, I watched it on 
uh, Toonami as a kid. Um, I haven't read any of the manga, but um, I guess this week, Seven Seas is releasing a uh, a hardcover collection of the greatest uh, heists. Nice. Uh, which I, you know, I assume are the greatest stories. Right. Um, so I'm pumped. Uh, Kale, so I looked this up because I needed to understand why his name was Monkey Punch, and I just found a great anecdote. Apparently, uh, he wrote for a magazine, and the editor of the magazine suggested the pen name, and uh, he didn't like it. But he said that he would he agreed to it because it was his boss's idea, and the project was only supposed to be a three month project. But the project was Lupin the Third. <laughs> And it wow. became so popular that he stuck with the pen name for his whole career. <laughs> Unreal. That's crazy. That's how it happens. Wow. That's Breaking so all that funny. Oh, you want to call me Monkey Punch? Okay. That's wild. Can you cool. fucking imagine <laughs> getting stuck with a nickname like that forever? <laughs> that's that's incredible. So this is this is obviously a manga, right? Yeah. Cool. Well, I hope you enjoy it. Supposedly, Kale, it's uh, more graphic than, like, the manga supposed to be more graphic than the actual shows. So, um, like, violence wise or sex wise? Sex and violence. Cool. Sweet. 10 out of 10. Yeah. (laughs) Well, speaking of manga, I'm assuming this is also that because it's by Junji Ito, a deserter from uh, uh, Marco chose this. Yeah, bro. Junji Ito, Deserter. It's one of his short story collections. Uh, he puts out maybe two of these a year, and I always pick it up because I love his art. I love the the horror storytelling. And um, yeah, it's just excellent work. So anytime that Junji Ito puts something out, it is on my buy list. Okay. Oh, your list is buy. Nice. Oh, Very much yes. that. That's... Dude, Junji Ito's stuff is so fucking scary. It's really fucking good. It's so creepy. Absolute master. Wasn't uh, wasn't he getting a show on Cartoon yeah. Network? Yeah, they're it's doing um, Uzumaki. Uzumaki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adult I think Swim's it. It should be coming out the spring of 2022. I think. No, I feel like it Soon-ish, got delayed. Yeah. Oh, did it? But I I think it still might be next year. I'll look it up. Yeah, I'm well, very much looking you... forward to that. While you do that, Kale and Marco, why don't you guys uh, chat me up about Nightwing eighty seven? Oh, Kale, have you did you have you caught up on Nightwing? No, not yet. The thing that I'm excited about this though is, um, this the art in this book is supposed to be one continuous image. Yeah. yeah. What? What? That's awesome. All I have to know how it's gonna work. Cool. Yeah, all twenty-two pages are actually one long, like, yeah, sideways strip, and the page is uh, the pages are gonna break up whatever that whole continuous thing is into twenty-two pages. I see why Tom Taylor got that exclusive contract because he's got these ideas. Obviously, Tom Taylor does not draw Nightwing; Bruno Redondo right. does, but you know. I'm sure that they workshopped that idea and brought it to DC and DC yeah. was like, holy shit, we need this guy exclusively. Tom, Tom Taylor's <laughs> really good. Uh, he's really, really, he's done some great stuff. On, on this book, Redondo's been like absolutely killing it. Uh, mm. The the way that he'll use like, uh, you know when like the same characters on, on a page and they jump around, but like it's faded because yeah. you want to show that progression. I think what Redondo does is really unique in that it's not always that faded 
um, sort of art style to show that progression. He does it in different ways using differences in like paneling um, and then also uh, in like size and color. So it's not always like the same sort of way to show that continuous motion all on mm. one page. And this is going to be that culmination because you have to, it's all going to be one long thing. So you have to show it in a very specific and certain way to be able to communicate that. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. I, I, I really want to check out Nightwing because uh, Bruno is great. It's been and fun. Obviously, Tom is great. But uh, I don't think I've ever, I've never followed the main Nightwing book. I mean, I've never followed a Nightwing book. Hmm. So I, I think, think you, get a kick, you get a kick out of it because it also has um, uh, Barbara and she like comes on and off as Oracle, as Batgirl, and they have their relationship. So it's cute. Okay. She's doing both. She's moonlighting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yes, her new. Yeah. Uh, so for what it's worth, uh, Uzumaki is scheduled to premiere in October of next year. Oh, yes. So. Fuck yeah. Let's peel. go. Pete chose Catwoman Lonely City number two. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the first one. Uh, we did the we did a review for this on our, our Thursday reviews a couple weeks back <clears throat> whenever issue one dropped. And um I I was I thought it was like a really a, a pleasant surprise. You know, it's it's um it's very much one of those kinds of like take this very well established character and we're gonna do like what if what if we told the last Catwoman story, like it has that one last ride kind of energy to it a little bit. You know, she the loose premise is um Selena's just getting out of prison and, you know, she's um needs to make some money and is trying to kind of like you know orchestrate one last job kind of thing but she's older she's moving a little slower you know like gotham has changed a lot while she's been away um all that kind of stuff it's it's a familiar uh framing device for for a superhero story like this but um not one i've ever seen with catwoman and you know obviously um if if you've seen any of the art, the style of it is just impeccable. Yeah. Uh, immaculate looking book. Um, really, really taps into that like kind of classic noir vibe. Um, I, I really enjoyed the first issue. I, I'd I'd like to see where it goes from here. I thought it was brilliant. Um, I think Catwoman lends herself to sing solo stories for sure. Um, you know, she's one of those characters where, like, you just want to know what she's up to. She's very complicated and, and interesting. And the idea of, like, an old an old woman Selena story, you know, mm. like an old man Logan, but with her, I think is really interesting. Oh. Um, and they're doing a great job so far. And there's the whole, this is, like, kind of a spoiler, so maybe I won't say it, but there's, like, a, eh. a Batman's dead, too. And she's, like, People think it's her fault, but it's not. And that's right. another thing that we don't know why or what happened or anything, but that's one of the other major framing devices that obviously is going to put it in some different directions, too. I like stories that are Batman stories that are not about Batman. And, like, I don't mean that about, like, oh, it's about the family or whatever, but, like, the idea of, like, it's a story where the absence of Bruce is a character. That's that's cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, it. Uh, I think also just 
it's it's a black label book and i think they've been put that publisher's been putting out or that imprint has been putting out pretty good consistent work um cliff chang and the the format actually it's this oversized more square format oh yeah that is really really cool or what would you know about that marco it fits the ipad better <laughs> oh, really yeah, yeah it doesn't Looks have great on my box. uh laptop screen um got you yeah i i think this was my pick of the week the week it came out um so yeah mm. high praise check it out yeah definitely uh high praise to radiant black you chose radiant black number 11 yeah uh we will be reviewing that for our image reviews this week so you can go hear our full thoughts over there um but yeah coming off of uh radiant black nine and ten which have done some really cool stuff um feels like the book's got some momentum so uh check out our thoughts on number 11 awesome and then uh for me uh i chose only one book this week and that is batman one dark knight number one this is jock this is jock and jock jock writing jock doing art uh i love jock i think jock's amazing um one of the best batman artists of all time i think um and i can't wait to see what story jock has to tell here it seems interesting a new villain named emp is shutting gotham down and batman has to stop him and it's going to take him one long night one dark night to do that so i'm really excited about this issue i think it's going to be a lot of fun and the cover is so dope. Yeah. It's so um, cool. Is it a one issue story, Sean? Uh it's actually chapter one. Yeah, I was gonna I, say it looks like it's one of three. Yeah. Um it's gonna be cool. I really I, I think it's gonna be worth checking out. Um because it's Jock. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong with Jack. Exactly. You know who else you can't go wrong with these days? Not you, Kale. Not at all. Uh, Elon Musk. Uh, I'm just kidding. Yeah, let's go (laughs) to the moon. I'm out. That's that's, uh, Pete's leaving a week early. Uh, That's that's our uh, that's our NFT conversation, crypto conversation later. Uh, No, I was speaking about Tom King, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who really has been on a roll lately? Feel like my man's back on top. Yeah. Uh, Tom King has been hitting. Rorschach was awesome. Uh, Strange Adventures was awesome. Batcat's been a book that's been coming out. And uh, <laughs> so we've got stuff. Have and, any of you been and, following the Supergirl book? No. I fell off. Um, <laughs> I wanted to. But the first issue, just I just couldn't really get into it. I don't know, man. I tried. It's a prose um, novel. That shit is like wordy as fuck. Sure. Did you yeah. did you read more than the one, Marco? I made it to issue three. Wow. And I was just like, I can't do this. Yeah. But hey, uh human target's really great. So oh, yes, it is. Tom his on-base percentage these days much higher than his misses. I agree. <laughs> I agree. We're back to like 2016, 2017, Tom King. Um so we've got a new book announcement from the one and only. And he's going back to Gotham. You're going back to Gotham. He can't Tom? stay away. He can't stay away. <laughs> no. I thought after the Batman fiasco, where he got pulled off the main book, 
and got the bat cat, you know, mini series, whatever it is, uh, as compensation. I thought that that would be all I figured my man was never going back to Gotham, but not only is he going back to Gotham, he's going back and bringing along with him. Catwoman, uh, penguin, killer croc, Riddler, penguin, and David Marquez and Alejandro Sanchez. Let's for this huge series called Batman Killing Time. It's going to be a mini. uh, It's in the past. It takes place in the past. And um, basically, it's going to feature those villains that I mentioned uh, trying to steal from Bruce Wayne, apparently. Um, Sean, here's the real big uh the big kicker right is that it's actually six issues yeah yeah that's a good point half really of that's what it? we're used to huh that's especially cool. for a tom king joint i'll only have to wait a full year to get the, <laughs> the full experience then no 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 david marquez is great man david marquez is you know how they have like those storm breakers for Marvel, which we always make fun of young guns, <laughs> the young guns or whatever. Yeah, David sure. Marquez was whatever that was called in like 2014, 2015. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Uh, he did uh, Civil War. Brilliant artist. Can't get enough. Love that guy. He'll get it done. We won't have to wait. Kale. Oh, I'll wait. <laughs> and uh, if, if for those of you who like go through the link, uh, this Peach Momoko variant cover. Oh, it looks good, fire, dude! Oh, yeah, so it's sexy. real good, dude. I gotta tell you, as long as they want to make covers with Catwoman on them, I want to buy them. Like, look at the uh, the 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 Kale new variant. I hope that's right. With Catwoman on it and Riddler. Yeah, that's a really good one. That's phenomenal. But then right below that, you have the Alex Garner variant. Oh, my God. That might be my favorite one. Yeah, it's man. A, It's really good. And then when you get a little deeper and you look at the unlettered previews that we're, that we're checking out here, look at that page with Catwoman where she's, like, pointing at those guys and she has the whip. Please. Yeah. It's solid. It's really, really Michelle good Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Even the last one, like, can we talk about this? The last preview page of is Batman, uh, like, uppercutting Killer Croc. Look at his fucking thighs. Like, that's nuts. He's so, (laughs) he has like a fucking 18 pack. It's nuts. (laughs) On his thighs. (laughs) Dude, my man has been crushing watermelons. (laughs) Yeah, that is over the top insane batman is thick <laughs> yeah but uh okay i'm 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 about it yeah it all, it all looks great frankly i mean this i don't know i like the idea of tom doing something that's like a little more like low stakes you know like i feel like a lot of his books are so like heavy and it's about death yeah. and betrayal and PTSD and trauma and and it's like this feels closer to the ground in a way that I'm interested to see what that's like from him cuz yeah I don't feel like I've ever read a story from him that felt low stakes 
you know? Like, even his, like, one-offs are like, ah, yes, the world ended, and <laughs> this character's wandering the dead globe, or, you know, oh, yeah, Superman can watch his his wife die, like, you know, cool, like, you know, it's never light, it's never breezy. <laughs> well, you don't remember Strange Adventures, the simple story about a guy who, uh, well, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, there's I no, there's no way to talk about it without spoiling shit, but it's not. Yeah. It ain't good. I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right. Well, what about Rorschach? The simple story where the guy was uh, they assassinated the president. And all right. Uh, you know, uh, we had uh, Omega Men about the irrevocable damage of war. That's oh right, no, that's yeah. Vision. It's a nice story about a family. Oof. All right, got me there. So, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I think if Tom's going to tell a simple story, it will obviously be through Batman. And we have historical evidence for that. Remember the main Batman story where Batman was going to get married and then he didn't. <laughs> and then Alfred died. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, at least it'll maybe probably be good. That yes. I'm looking forward. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All jokes aside. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, There are so many comic book announcements that we're about to dive into. And like, it's just nuts. This week was all comic announcements. This is, I guess, like both companies put out their solicits for the next few months. And so we're just we're just diving in. Uh, So hopefully we talk about books that you're interested in. I I mean, they wouldn't be here if I wasn't interested in them. Um, they all look phenomenal. And real quick, I just want to get the uh, the date on when we can expect March 1st for Batman Killing Time for anybody who's looking forward to that. So that should be cool. Uh, what also should be cool is the new Black Label book that we, that we have learned about. It's from Joshua Williamson and Leo Max or Leo Max or whatever. Uh, that's a name. That's an interesting name. Uh, and it's called Rogues. So it's about, okay. uh, obviously, the Flash's Rogues Gallery. Okay. And it's like an old Rogues Gallery story. Like, they're all older, and this is their last big heist that they got to do. And I guess Captain Cold is, you know, leading the squad, and they're 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 going in for the last job. Fucking sold. Captain Cold is one of my favorite characters ever. Yep. I, I love a one last job story. You know, like it's it's it just works when it works. And yeah, I mean, this could be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I I have grown a, a lot of fondness for the rogues over the last uh, probably five years. I never really got why they were so such a big deal because they all kind of suck. But <laughs> I get it now, and I've gotten it. Over, but, you know, but like that's why. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is why. Like they kind of suck, but then they have their moments where they're extremely dangerous, which I really like. Uh, and the Joshua Williamson Flash run, I couldn't stop talking about it while it was going on. I talked about it a lot here. So for Joshua Williamson to be returning to those characters is really exciting to me. Yeah. Back in the day uh, with, uh, I think it was Jeff Johns. um, Some of his rogue stuff, he made like the top 
a fucking insane character that was our mirror master. They were, they both had crazy storylines that were incredible um, and made them truly legitimately terrifying. Because like when you're, you know, your arch enemy, we're not talking about Batman, who's a rich asshole. <laughs> we're talking about someone with actual powers, right? right. How are you going to, how are you going to rob a bank in the city where the dude is literally a speedster yeah right like and you gotta survive that and be a criminal these dudes are the best i i gotta i gotta show my cards here real quick as someone who knows so little about the flash i didn't realize like until we started talking about this that there that this was the name of a team i thought it was just like a clever name for the book i was like oh this is like an established squad of all of flash's goons i didn't even know they did that it's ba- they're barely a team. That's right. just what they call themselves because they always have to team up. Because they can't deal with the Flash otherwise. Yeah, and they still think, can't. Yeah, you know that has like big sinister six energy of just like yeah, yeah. we're all pretty ineffectual at this shit. Like, <laughs> but there's so much worse than that because like <laughs> the sinister six has like Green Goblin, you know? Yeah, the, the rogues have. <laughs> you know mirror master fucking captain boomerang (laughs) yeah yeah, they have captain boomerang my man is okay the flash right is the fastest human fastest being of all time Mm -hmm. captain boomerang can throw boomerang pretty well (laughs) (laughs) that's quite a difference straight up just like move move (laughs) to a different city (laughs) Right, but the but problem they, is that the Flash will just go there. Yeah, yeah. the different city is what Metropolis, like, <laughs> or like fucking, and and they've addressed this. Like, why not go to Gotham? Are you kidding? <laughs> and like, based on my understanding of of the relationships, the Flash, he kind of like almost sort of likes them. Like they're they're yeah. they're thieves and stuff, That's but they're funny. not the worst people. And he beats them so easy. It's like, whatever. If if they were to go to like Gotham, they'd get the shit beat out of them. Like, well, it's not bad. probably get killed by Batman's villains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. an episode. I don't know if you guys remember an episode of uh, Justice League Unlimited where uh, Batman and Orion, I think, uh, visit Central City because Flash, I think it's for the Flash Museum celebration or something. Um, and, um, um, oh, what's his name? The uh, the trickster goes around. Uh, he, he's being an asshole. And he ends up in a bar and he's drinking. And they find him, but he's just drinking. He's not hurting anybody. And, and the Flash comes up to him and he goes, hey, man. You free to take your meds today? And he's like, oh, you know, yeah. I knew there was something wrong. And Batman and Orion are like, that's it? You're not going to, like, <laughs> arrest him or beat and, him? And the, the, yeah, the Flash goes, oh, yeah, right. He turns around and goes, hey, when you finish with your beer, make sure you turn yourself in. And the Trishier goes, yeah, okay, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a lot of fun. And this book That's seems great. like it's going to take the concept of the rogues and kind of give them a last story ever kind of thing, <laughs> which I'm into. Gorilla Grodd is it seems like it's going to be them against him. 
Like they have cool. to inf- infiltrate Gorilla City, which is now like a fortress, and Grodd is like a major threat, like a big boss type villain. So that's awesome. That has everything I need in it. Can't wait, dude. Th- you brought up the Justice League thing, and it just I I think it was the original Justice League series before Unlimited, and it's like the first episode where they introduced the concept of Gorilla Grodd. And I remember being a kid, and it blew my fucking mind. It's like you're telling me. That one of the Flash's main villains <laughs> is just a genius gorilla. Here's yes. the thing. Not even one of his main villains. Fair enough. Like, the rogues are his main villains. Gorilla Grodd's, like, one of the special ones that comes around every now and then. Sure. Yeah, it's it blew my tiny mind. <laughs> we can expect rogues in, uh, again, of course, in 2022 in uh, March. March 22nd. Nice. nice. So can't wait for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Double dose of good news because Nice House on the Lake has been solicited for March 2nd. Let's go. Or rather for March. March 1st is what it will be coming out. For okay. the second act. We're back. That's yeah. that's, that's not bad at all. Yeah. I was really thinking that was going to be like a long fucking break. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think it was ever coming back. It was like one of those abandoned yeah. stories. Yeah. <laughs> I figured I figured we would wrap it at some point, but I was uh, anticipating like a at least like a year, you know, or or close to it anyway. Me too. Yeah, that's uh, really. This cool. is. I'm glad. Yeah, this is like a little bit longer than we'll be waiting for Swamp Thing. Yeah, mm. which is like, like a month longer. So. I I was mentally prepared for like a battle chaser situation. Just like it'll come back in like ten years when he finally decides, oh yeah, I'm done with this Substack stuff, you know. This yeah, is cool. I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that he didn't make that decision. Like obviously Tinian's got a lot of like irons in the fire right now, and you know it's a really exciting time for him in his career. Um, and that's dope. But I really like this book, and I would love to have it resolved. Um, while it's still, you know, like, hot, like fresh and hot. Yeah, like while while I'm still in it. You know, totally like while my emotions for it are still there and like the idea of waiting like, you know, what, two or three months is like, oh, that's that's fine. We've mm. we, we had way longer delays than that. when We were fucking following doomsday clock. <laughs> yeah, like there were we've had we've waited longer for books that were not that were not like on hiatus. Yeah, you know, Honestly, that were just delayed that long. The fact that they announced that it was going to be on hiatus like probably was ultimately a really like that softened the blow because we're like oh fuck it's gonna be like forever before we get to finish this we even said that in the review is like oh it's so hard to feel high on this issue not knowing when it's gonna come Mm -hmm. back and and it's like oh it's a totally normal amount of time to wait no big deal i'm in totally um i think the only mistake that they made was making that announcement before the last issue came out but other than that if they just said it now would have been like oh cool (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, this this could have been the news article like you know we're it's going on hiatus until march right yeah absolutely especially because it's like the trade is coming out so like all of these things at once is a perfect announcement hey the book's taking a short break while james works on some other projects Volume one is out. It'll be back in March is like such a clean narrative. Like, totally. I don't think we would have even clocked that. We didn't clock it for Swamp Thing. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, all right, cool. Nice little break. Yeah. 
I wonder if something so, didn't just like change like within his own schedule. Because the, the way the way he made it seem when um when yeah, he made yeah. the announcement was like, oh, I'm gonna focus on a bunch of other stuff, and yeah, maybe they came back to him with something. I don't know, or maybe he saw the reaction of how many folks were disappointed that it was gonna go on break or True. whatever, and like move some things around. But who knows? Yeah, happy either way. Exactly. Yeah. I'm awesome. just happy that that this is what it is. This is cool. Am I um, wrong in remembering uh, a TV deal of some kind? For this show, for Nice for House, nice house? Mm. not to my knowledge. I don't, I don't think so. Okay, so many TV deals fly around. The for industry. what it's worth, it would probably be a good TV show. I could see this as like a an HBO mini or something. Oh, without question. I mean, you you already have the uh, the 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 history, the television history with like Lost. It's a it's a very similar show. You know, mm. a set group of characters stuck in a specific place. Who like, have to figure it out. It'd probably be pretty cheap to produce, too, when you think about it, right? Because, like, almost every episode is a bottle episode. Yeah. You just need, like, one or two really well-developed sets, and then so much of the action is just in the house, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's a 12-issue run, so this is actually going to be... So this is just going to be the second arc, and that's it in yep. the story. Cool. Good with that, for sure. Mm. Uh let's keep the hits covered because they're all like all these announcements except for one <laughs> you know the one uh are awesome so this one is actually from marvel they have announced that because it is carnage's 30th anniversary like who cares about that carnage um, we rules, do care about, sean we care about that you're right you're right with a z that's true with a z only with a z <laughs> rob v our boy is teaming up with Francesco uh, Mana to do a Carnage book. I I'm, cool. I, I'm in just because it's Rom. Like you know, yeah. like I don't 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 super care about reading another Carnage story. I feel like we kind of maximum Carnage. That's that's the only one you need, right? Um, but mm. man, I you know, Rom Rom is great, and I think the thing that we regularly or at least I, I know I'm always saying about Rom is like he does a really good job of breathing new life into old concepts. And that is something that Carnage could sorely use. So yeah. like, yeah, have at it, man. Like, give me give me your craziest Carnage story. Let's see what you got. He must be in the slime phase of his, uh, his ten- he's, uh, tentacle gang. He's yeah, all about yeah. muck. Yeah. <laughs> And we all know what Muck spelled backwards is. Oh, don't no, don't say that. <laughs> um, had to. Yeah, I think this is cool because, as weird as it seems to to pair someone who is as thoughtful as Rom V with a character that is as thoughtless and chaotic as Carnage, um, I like it because. You have to add some depth to these characters. Mm. And if you're not adding depth, you're just going full on nuts. And I think Rom can do either one of those. In mm. fact, I think he can do both at the same time. Mm. And that's yeah. what's going to be exciting. There, there's some quotes here that I think are pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like talking about it being like a horror book to some degree. And like, um, uh, 
this is from from Johnson. Uh, he says, "What makes Carnage such a fun challenge to write is that everyone thinks they know what to expect from him." Um, I'm a huge fan of horror stories in any medium and getting to lean into the unbridled violence and terror of Carnage while also finding new ways to subvert reader expectations has made it a complete thrill. Perfect. That's the note you need to hit. Subvert my expectations. Don't give me another Carnage story. I've read enough of them. Absolutely. That's for... Wait, Johnson? Philip Kennedy Johnson? Uh, It's... uh, Oh, no. Who is that? Is that the editor? That's that's um, Philip Phil, Philip Kennedy Johnson, actually. Yeah. That, oh, that okay. Was the, this, so this is a separate book, Carnage Forever, that he's talking about. <clears throat> yeah. So the I Rom quote. Okay. Okay. The Rom quote is: "This Carnage story is very likely to become the most twisted thing I've ever written. The killer oh, yeah. symbiote has gone through some pretty significant changes in recent times, and I've been left with an opportunity to do something new and inventive with the character and the kind of stories you might expect to find in a Carnage book. This is my kind of horror, as frightening in its implications as it is on the page. This is a devilish, scary Carnage, and he's setting out to discover just where the bounds of his abilities really lie." Pity those caught in his wake. The Marvel Universe is not ready for what Carnage is turning into. Love that. That's cool. So wait, so it's, there's two books. It's Extreme Carnage and Carnage Forever and is Extreme Carnage. So Carnage Forever is the anthology series. Got it. That they're doing. And Carnage is just the book that Rob V is writing. Got it. Extreme Carnage. But Rob's working on that one as well. On Carnage Forever, it looks like yeah, it yeah. looks like they're doing a story in that too. It's like a yeah. special, it's like a one shot, and cool. there's a bunch of writers and stuff there. Yeah, I Extreme mean, Carnage is something that happened already, though. Thank you. Okay. Um. So yeah, this could be cool. Uh, this is awesome. Absolutely yeah. dumb. I think. Uh, I, I think like even when we read uh, Carnage for the book club, like the that madness aspect, I think was. It was wacky and like goofy the way that it was portrayed in that book, but I think you could take that into so many other kind of elements and take it into so many other ways that uh, with capable writers like these guys, uh, that's gonna be fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, this is this is awesome. And like, again, March second, so like this is just a wave of March solicits, which sucks in a way because we do have to wait until March, but. Boy, wow. Both the big two are coming out swinging uh, in March. Speaking of which, this is probably the announcement that I am most excited about. Oh, yeah. Uh, Alex Ross is going to step into the writer's the writer's chair for Fantastic Four full circle. But there's two things that make this even crazier. Alex Ross writing, we've, I don't think we've ever seen that before. At least I have absolutely never seen that before. But not only is Alex Ross going to be writing it, he's also going to be illustrating it. And Damn. it's a graphic novel. It's an OGM. That's crazy. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Yeah. That's fun. That's, that, that's cool because you can take... Um, I feel like a, a lot of the a lot of manga does this, where the the writer and the artist are the same person, and so you could really communicate the things that you want in the way that you have it in your head. And for such a visual, like a superstar like Ross, to be able to communicate that 
one effectively through his own art, but then be able to communicate the story that he wants to tell. This is just advantageous for anybody who's going to pick this up. Like that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some shots of the interiors that look fucking incredible. Um, and also, um, there's, uh, there's like um a quote here from i believe the editor of the book um yeah uh charles kochman and he says that uh in fantastic four full circle alex revisits a classic stanley jack kirby comic from the 1960s and introduces the storyline for a new generation of readers um we talked about this with thing um i'm a sucker for that when it's done well right it's it's the spider-man blue equation um I feel like Ross is particularly well suited to that kind of story just because his style is so it evokes that like classic feeling. There's something almost like Rockwellian about his art, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it, it really taps into that like Americana in, in a cool way. Um, so, yeah, for him to d- be doing a story that's kind of like inherently rooted in the history and, and kind of that retro feeling is something that I feel like he'll, he's so, so well suited for. I'm sure he'll nail that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's exactly what that his art style for the time period that fantastic four is supposed to be in a perfect marriage. Um, you know, these colors on the, on the, the covers and the art Crazy. wild, like, holy shit. Highlights. Um, it, it looks it's something nuts. It's something that we've been talking about a lot in our like uh, the Thursday reviews on just like the color palettes that a lot of creators are using right now. Mike Spicer is one of them in particular that I think we've shouted out a few times on just yeah. using the secondary like neon highlighted colors uh, to accent different things in the book, make things pop. Like for whatever reason, there's blue on uh, the thing's face here, but that's a contrast to the orange color and the red that's like flashing a little alongside him as well fucking crazy and ross ross makes mention of the fact that this is one of the greatest artistic experiments he's ever attempted what the hell does that mean Uh, so his style here is uh so much more different usually he has these like lush light from nowhere situations where that i kind of find off-putting because Sometimes, you know, you'll be out, like you'll be in indoors in the context of the story, but somehow there's this flashing light that creates, casts this shadow across somebody's face and whatever. He has that kind of stoic look to his art, but mm. here it feels so much more controlled. Like the, the art isn't coming, uh, the light's not coming from nowhere. The, uh, the use of additional detail is oozing on the page. Like usually he'll have, you know, space for, people to just kind of exist and you know, he, they take up whatever space they take up. But here, even within the, the space themselves, the characters themselves, there's just detail inside each of that. And you can mm-hmm. see that in the, the second set of the page where they're looks like they're dissecting somebody and there's just intricacies everywhere. You can see the texture on the thing's face. You can see the way the shadows and the light bounces off of fantastic face. And there's just, I, I can see that uh, if, if he's, excited about that from our perspective i'm hyped to pick this up it also looks very kirby-esque mm-hmm. in the alex ross way yeah i feel like it's you you want to 
have something that feels like true to those roots and that style without just aping it. And that's that's a tough line to to walk. And it, this I feel like is really hitting a good. I mean, based on this one page that we're seeing, yeah, um, it seems like it's hitting a good middle ground there. It looks yeah painstakingly. Yes. Done. Yeah. yeah. Walked that line. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm about that. I just, I love Alex Ross so much. He's brilliant. And, you know, I, I mentioned earlier Jock being one of the greatest Batman artists of all time. Alex Ross is one of the greatest comic book artists of all time. There are people that don't necessarily like what Ross does, but I feel like when you talk about iconic um, images of characters, a lot of the time, I think you're talking about Alex Ross stuff. I really do. Um, so, yeah. Especially for certain characters, you know? Mm-hmm. like Superman. His Cap. Superman is so fucking iconic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, this comes out in August, actually. So a little bit of a, of a wait there, August 2nd. But um, I'll definitely be first in line for this one. 100%. This is cool. Yeah. Now, now that we've gotten everything cool out of the way, let's talk about what's not cool. And, you know, I don't like to just get on here and like bad talk things. I really don't. It's not fun. Sometimes yeah. What do you what do you kale? No, because kale does it in a way that's not funny. I try to be funny. <laughs> this announcement. Sorry, kale. This announcement. Try to be funny. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't work. This announcement is rough. Out the gate. We'll see what happens. But the Marauders have found the final member of their team. As it turns out, Cassandra fucking Nova is going to set sail aboard the Marauders in Marauders number one, written by Steve Orlando. Is it is it bad if I don't know who this is? Yes, Pete. <laughs> I don't it's remember this character. Who is this? Yeah, it's not great. Cassandra Nova was introduced by Grant Morrison in their new X-Men run where she is the person who committed genocide in Genosha. Genosha oh, oh no. 16 million or some odd mutants. Fuck. Wait, what? This is the genocide that caused uh, Emma Frost her mutation and like her secondary mutation where she got the diamond form. And it's kind of what like elevated her into like more primary X-Men member status. This all happened during that run. So she is sorry, but not Grant Morrison's new X-Men run, but Grant Morrison's new X-Men run. Yes. The title was New X-Men. From, yes. This is from like the 2000s. Thank you for that clarification. Uh, so I just, Marvel had an announcement and um, apparently, because for those of you who don't know, like me, this is a fun and fact, me. Cassandra Nova is the unborn twin of Charles Xavier who reformed herself as a psychic entity in Grant Morrison's new X-Men. What? Yeah, I was going to get into that business too what the Uh, fuck grant (laughs) by the way actually love cassandra nova not in the way of like genocide is great in the way of like good character written well by the person who created her right grant did a great job 
everything after that. Eh. But I've got more bad news for you. Okay, because it doesn't stop at Cassandra Nova. Mutant genocidist is also a member of of, of uh, the Marauders. Cassandra Nova, notably not a mutant. Oh, really? Not Wait, what? Even a mutant. Yes, what? correct. Not a mutant. Huh? I mean, neither's Lockheed, right? I'm just, yeah. Okay. I'm just okay. kidding. That was now is not the time for that. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is not the time. Okay, because Cassandra Nova, like, okay. Apocalypse, right? We all said, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What is Marvel doing? This is nuts. How could you have Apocalypse get a seat at the table, right? Perfect, though. It was perfect. It was bold, right? And it was different, a little nuts, but it made sense. We all understood because it was for the greater good. Apocalypse cares about the greater good of mutants, even if he goes about it in an insane way. We it get was, that. It was a crazy thing, but not a, th- a thing that was, like, unheard of, right? It's like, oh, yeah, okay, like, this is a radical new age for mutants. I could see him being down with the cause. Right, exactly. And it was being done by someone who we all said, you know what, this is crazy, but if someone can pull off crazy, it's Jonathan Hickman. Yeah. And the next issue, after we saw Apocalypse, we we're like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm fucking sure. in on this. <laughs> right. Which is my only trepidation from from this like approach, because it's not like I have nothing against Steve Orlando at all. But Jonathan Hickman is the visionary behind all of this. Right. Can Steve Orlando pull off a Hickman-esque turn and make me feel like this is okay? I don't know. Mm. I'm thinking not. Not because it's Steve Orlando, but because it's Cassandra fucking Nova. They are pirates, though. So? So, they, I mean, pirates aren't good guys. You're not a good These guy. These ones are, though. Their whole thing is that they go to... Are they? Yeah. The pirates. I mean, yes. But, like, the entire mission statement of the Marauders is to go to countries where mutants can't freely emigrate out because they're, you know, they're, like, um, refugees and liberating them. Like, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good guy behavior. Mm. I mean, I guess, I guess maybe they you could... steal a lot, though, don't they? That's true. But it doesn't count if you steal from jerks. That's what I learned. All right, that's Robin um, Hood. I feel like... You could potentially have like a narrative here where like Cassandra Nova wants to make right on what she's done and that's why she's going to do this and everything like I can see the line being drawn there. But like, I don't know. Okay, what if if she's going the opposite way of Xavier now? Xavier's (laughs) descending into his villainy or whatever. And Cassandra Nova's like, well, guess I better figure out how to be a good guy. Okay, so here's the here's the uh, here's the kicker in the promo image. Cassandra Nova says, I am here to ruthlessly. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) She says, I'm sorry. (laughs) My bad. Whoops. (laughs) Whoops. Just the idea that that's all she would say. She shows up and she's like, oh, my bad, guys. What's up? I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Sorry for all I the genocide. Parents. <laughs> my bad. 
<laughs> I guess that was rough. What I did, <laughs> my fault. That was that was in retrospect not cool. Real dick move. <laughs> I was a little nuts back then. <laughs> I'm better now. Want to team up? So she said, "I am here to ruthlessly defend our kind. I've grown so bored of bloodless hands." Oh, cool. So she seems like she's in a good place. So she's a mutant now. I don't know. Sounds that, like something a pirate would say for sure. Also, well, go ahead. I was just going to say that. I mean, technically, Kitty's still a, or Kate is still a, not able to travel, right? But she's still technically a mutant. Maybe there's like yeah, but she was she was never not a mutant. I thought that we found out that that was just because of there was there was like a reason it was happening because of her powers. Right. Yeah, it was it was related to her power set. Mm, okay, never mind. This feels um, like more of a Moira situation where they're taking a character who wasn't a mutant and be like, actually, we found out she's a mutant. Maybe it yeah, is. Yeah. Well, it's weird. It, it's weird because she copied his body, so she has his genes, but she's not a mutant. Like she's not. She's her her origin is not in mutant in being a mutant at all she's a something called a mamandri or whatever uh a mamandri whatever the hell she is yeah some some crazy thing that grant created but she's not a mutant and she doesn't like mutants she killed 16 million of them are we gonna like so remember we saw that um that promo image i think we talked about on last week's show where they were showing like it's the new era and there was like that big promo image and there was like juggernaut and deadpool and like Obviously, they're not mutants either. I'm one. Mm-hmm. Like, is that going to be like a thing now? Or are we like opening? Okay, you know what? Like, y'all are mutant adjacent. You can come in and join the squad. It's cool. Like, <laughs> I well, don't know. It feels weird. I guess Deadpool, fine. Juggernaut's been a hero. Cassandra Nova sucks. And by the way, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not happy about this. By the way, I in love X-Men it. Red, she's forced to feel the weight of her actions by Jean. Um, like she like reverses all the like negative psychic energy that Cassandra has created by doing all the stuff she's done and like puts it at Cassandra. So I guess the idea is that now she's repentant for that and she's trying to make up for it. Mm. But the problem is that she killed 16 million people and Scarlet Witch killed less people and she was insane, right? Not on purpose. She had she she was driven mad by the loss of her children, okay, and her dad being Magneto, and she made a mistake, and they call her a pretender, and they hate her guts. Hmm. How is it that Cassandra Nova gets a could pass. be okay, gets a pass, but Scarlet Witch went to Krakoa for a cup of tea, and she got killed. Well, Trial of Magneto number five out this Wednesday. What? <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not an ad. <laughs> that was good. What's happening here? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That seems real screwy to me. Maybe that's maybe this is the lure. Uh, yeah, hey, I guess. Cassandra, come join the Marauders. Have a cup of rum. Have and a nice conversation about. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> by the way, that can would also so please. So I'm sorry. Just one last thing I have to point out. Ruthlessly defend our kind. Bored of there not being blood on. Uh, on our Board hands or whatever. bloodless hands isn't the mission statement of like the x-men 
right? The mutants, Krakoa, they don't kill. Right. What is this? What is this ruthlessly defend? You cannot do that. The join the X Force for that. And matter of fact, don't do that. Just die. Just go away. Be I a was villain. just about to say be that would make, that would make a lot more sense, frankly. For yeah. her to be on the X Force if that's her attitude, but that doesn't. I guess that narrative doesn't. It's not as clean, right? Like that you can see how you could construe being a member of the Marauders as repentant for your actions, but I don't know, man. That's that's a tough one for me. <laughs> uh, this last statement from Orlando is Cassandra Nova Xavier is back with the same malicious mind and murders hands as ever. But how much has she changed since her last run in with the X-Men question mark? You know, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not interested. I'm not taking the bait. And, 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 and let me say this last point. Okay, I know I said the last point was my last point, but this is real, my real last point. This is actually the perfect place to put Cassandra Nova. And the reason is because they're putting her in the pirate book. I already am not inclined <laughs> to like it. So go right ahead. That's where she belongs. I can ignore it. Wash my hands. Call it a day. Do whatever you're going to do, Steve Orlando. Do whatever you're going to do, Marvel. I'm not going to buy it. I'll buy it. There it is. It feels like Legion. Remember when Legion was uh, first teased in Way of X? Yeah. yeah. Like this kind of, uh, it's probably going to boil over and be a bunch of nothing. But Legion's not bad, though. But he's like, he's a, he's a very compelling character with a crazy history. Yeah. And his presence has implications. Yeah, a character with the gravity of Cassandra Nova is on this D tier book. Like so, can I have a draw? I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it we'll see. If it definitely feels like a, hey, we need an insane hook to get people to buy this. Let's bring Cassandra Nova out. And fine, if you got a great story, tell it. But on its face, I just can't get with this. And it's like, especially in the wake of the announcement about Hickman leaving and all that extra stuff, it just doesn't feel right. But we'll see. All we can do is wait. And yeah, see. I think that context makes it tough um, yeah. to get excited about this kind of announcement. But try to reserve judgment until then. Yeah. Personally, I've grown bored of bloodless hands. So. <laughs> Here comes the robot uprising. <laughs> oh, no. Robots don't bleed. No, but they can get blood. <laughs> That's true. Oh, shit. <laughs> that they is can... true. I'm worried about the people in Marco's life. Huh? <laughs> you heard me. <laughs> uh, maybe this will brighten things. I don't have a lot to say about this personally, but uh, there's a Gambit book coming, and it's by Chris Claremont. Um, oh, no, thanks. <laughs> what? Come on. That's cool. Yeah. What's wait, whoa, wait, wait. Look, 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 look. Here's my thing. I don't have anything like Chris Claremont, one of the one of the all time great X Men writers, right? Uh-huh. I mean no disrespect. I I gotta be honest with you. I don't care about Gambit in the context what? of like him being by himself at all. What? Yeah. Never I my hot take about Gambit as a character is that Gambit is popular because Gambit was in the X Men cartoon and his powers look cool. 
Yep. Like they're he's got the pink cards and he's got a cool staff and his outfit is like the most nineties fucking outfit of all time. <laughs> like yep. he was a perfect character for that time. But I, mm-hmm. I have I feel like he has the same energy for me as Deadpool, where it's like I prefer him in the context of an ensemble cast. I prefer him not to exist. So Gambit's cool. Like I don't no. like, wait. I, but well, it, no, that's the problem. Gambit is cool. He's too cool. That's that, the that thing. makes that makes for a great book. I don't no. understand. No, 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 no. I feel like he has like coolness. I don't know. I feel like he has like that '90s like mm-hmm. cool. Like it's like Sonic for me, where it's like Sonic the Hedgehog is like quote unquote cool. Like he has a mm-hmm. cool, edgy factor to him. Exactly. But he's is. existed yep. for so long that it's just quaint now. Like and that what was cool then is not cool now. And I, I feel and, like that's part of his whole, you know. And you're gonna get this guy who was super popular in the '70s and '80s to write him. No, in 2022. Yeah, it's like I don't know. So. It it could be good. I like I'm not discounting it. I'm just not very interested in this. You know, this is not a book I feel like I need. There's there's a very low chance that I buy this, and it's just because I'm not a Gambit fan at all. And you know, Chris Claremont is a legend in this business, but I don't I don't I don't know what Chris Claremont has to say in 2022 that I need to hear. I'm not saying that he doesn't have anything to say. I'm just saying, I don't know what that is. And I don't know if Gambit is the place that I'm looking for Chris Claremont to be at. Like there's so many X books right now. This feels like so extra. Yeah. Like we did it. I think it was last week where we were like, how would we pair this down? Cause this, this destiny of X thing is too big. And it did not include Sabretooth, Right. And it didn't include this. So now you now we're talking about like what eleven books, twelve yeah, books, pretty much. There yeah. was that uh, that series that was also like uh, when Hawks Parks started or the Dawn of X started. That was like the anti Krakoa stories or whatever. Oh, X Men Legends is that what it was? Yeah, I believe it was called that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it was like it was like out of continuity and it wasn't. Yeah, what was happening in Krakoa? It was like here's a classic X Men book by a classic team. Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay. And it's like, I don't know. That's cool. Like, I, I don't. There's not not a place for that. I just don't. I'm not that reader. You know. Um, I think this book will sp- speak to a very specific comics reader, and like, if it lands for them, like that's all that matters. But right, I just I don't feel like I need this. If it was a character I cared about more, maybe. But yeah. Gambit is best as a trading card, in my opinion. Damn. Rough. Then to, I guess, yeah, to to be fair, like having to pick up, like having to add this to the number of books that we have on the line. Yeah. Some of which I'm not even picking up anyway. Um, Like, that's the thing. It's probably not even on the line. Yeah, right? Like, is this even, like, it's probably going to be out of continuity as well. And, like, again, that's cool. Like, I like that a lot, but. I don't know. I just don't feel like I see where this fits in the current slate of X-Books when there are so many of them right now. Mm-hmm. According, Do we need according, a seventh book? Uh, per the article, he's in or has been in Excalibur, and I think, uh, Sean, you were reading some of that. Um, yeah, the big his story there has been 
kind of like the will they will they won't they have a kid with rogue okay. um that's been that's really all he's had going on for the most part in uh in this krakoan era why is uh the promo image with him and storm it looks like young storm like she looks yeah, like right? she's a teenager or whatever it is yeah this will um, be how he learns that he definitely wants to be a dad <laughs> what <Wait. laughs> Um, yeah, he'll hang uh, out with like a young version of his friend and be like, oh, yeah, mentoring a kid. Very rewarding. I'm going to be a dad now. That's how it ties in. Gambit could never mentor Storm. <laughs> Storm would mentor him. <laughs> Even That's as a right. teenager. <laughs> Even as a teenager, yeah. This is where he learns how to be a proper thief. <laughs> proper person. Well, I don't know how proper of a person Storm was as a teen. She was just ripping and running. But, uh, Hey, she got by. She became a goddess and the queen of the queen regent of uh, Mars. So uh, here's a lot of pretty impressive titles. Honestly, now that you start listening to them, she was also the queen of Wakanda at one point. (laughs) Sure was. Yep. Motherfucking royalty. That's right. Uh, And she's going to be escorting Gambit around. Yippee. Here's (laughs) a a palate cleanser. Yeah, no. This this is a statement I never thought I would make, but I'm shocked I never have. Um, Godzilla versus Power Rangers. Hell oh, yeah, yeah, dude! Fucking what? Yep. Fucking hype. Hell yes, that's awesome. I don't even care about the Power Rangers like that, and that's a dope bitch. <laughs> hmm. Yo, we get to see the Megazord fucking fight Godzilla. Yeah, and Godzilla's gonna tear that shit in half. Not just the Megazord. The Dragon Zord. That's pretty sick. Damn. This and it feels perfect. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I cannot believe this hasn't happened. Yeah. Even like even the the cover, just the the, the way they framed the um, the title of it, you know, and their logos, the Godzilla one being so huge over the mighty pa- Morphin Power Rangers one. Mm. Awesome. Well, and it's like so cool because uh it's the the OOG Mighty Morphin one with the bolt, and it's got yeah. lightning shooting off of it into Godzilla's name and everything. Yeah. Like, oh, such good, such good design. Really cool. Yep. They nailed it. And it's like a very classic looking Godzilla. Yup. And uh, written by Cullen Bunn. Shocking. Ooh. Yeah. Not, not who I would have thought they'd go for. No. Yep. <laughs> That's pretty cool. But I'm about it. Love Bunn. I wonder, love Bun, me too, dude. Um, <laughs> I wonder uh, if uh, um, things if things had gone differently between these entities, if Kyle Higgins isn't the one that boom taps for this story. Mm, yeah, mm. sure. This definitely feels like it's funny. I know we were talking recently about IDW losing um, some of their licenses. This this feels like a good way to leverage the ones they still got and try to make a you know a main event of it. For sure. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of which, uh, John Barber, the uh, editor-in-chief of IDW, just uh, announced that uh, he was leaving. So hmm. he has notably been involved in getting some of those IP and, and working on those IP a lot. I remember he was writing Transformers for a while, and he kept all that stuff together. So now that they don't have that, they don't have him. Damn. Yeah. Um, Lara, I guess. Yeah, so I'm fucking sick of Godzilla. 
Godzilla versus Power Rangers is one hell of a make good. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. Uh, It's going to be five issues. Uh, It's going to be Cullen Bunn, as we mentioned, teaming up with Freddie Williams II, who is familiar with these kinds of books because he did the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book and the He-Man Thundercats team up. Nice. That's cool. That's fun. I like that. So many abs in that book and just (laughs) rippling bare muscles in that book. I've uh I've not read the Batman TMNT stuff, but my my buddy Jared, um, who's a sometimes listener of the show, um, he uh is like a huge TMNT fan, and he says it's like a lot of fun. It's not like, you know, um, like groundbreaking comics reading, but that it's like very very fun, like Saturday morning cartoon energy. And I feel like this will probably hit a pretty similar mm. note. It's all it has to do. Mm. Yeah, just be fun, like and like and. Don't be afraid to like jump the shark. You know, like go crazy, right? Like let's make the most of this. <laughs> the concept has already jumped the shark. Like go fucking buck wild. Yeah, yeah. Just like lean the fuck into the skin, right? Like <laughs> Yeah. All you have to do is give give the Power Rangers and Godzilla a reason to fight, then give them a reason to team up. Done. Oh, they have to fight King Kong. <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, yeah. King Ghidorah, come on. <laughs> oh, Mothra. No, Mothra's a good guy. No. <laughs> Mothra's like the only one that's never evil. <laughs> oh, what if what if this is how they get Mecha Godzilla? Are the Power Rangers oh, get Mecha Godzilla? No, no that they would like, be cool though. There's like there's like Fusion. some sort of yeah, like something happens and Mecha Godzilla comes into Here's existence. what happens. Godzilla breaks the original Dragon Sword, he fucks it up, and then they like fucking hack they kill mech godzilla and then rebuild him into a new megazord and it's like a fusion of the two that's cool this is the kind of dumb shit i want to see happen right like this is the bar we're trying to hit (laughs) why not let's go let's go um i'm hyped we don't know or at least i didn't see maybe i'm wrong uh when this is coming out but uh whenever it comes out i uh i'll be there this is sick. Yeah, let's go. The people turned out for Spider-Man No Way Home this weekend, uh, but to the tune of what? I thought, actually, I'll ask you guys. Unless you have, if you have the article pulled up, you have it pulled up. What do you think the projection is for No Way Home? Ooh, pretty um, high. I pulled it up, sorry. All right, you're good. I didn't. Um... So, I mean, my thought is the other movies have made like a billion dollars. Like that's been kind of like the trajectory of, of these these Spider-Man solo flicks. So I imagine it's around there, but scaled back with COVID in mind. So like maybe like seven, I don't know, 750 million or something like that. Maybe 800. Oh, wait, Sean, you meant for the weekend or for like for the weekend? Yeah. Oh, oh, OK. OK. Then not that much. <laughs> <laughs> um okay i don't know let's say i don't know <laughs> 250 300 million maybe somewhere in that okay. range for opening weekend what's i i can never gauge these i don't know how much they make in a weekend that's like i'm struggling to conjure what that what a, that a range usually is a hundo that seems 100 million 
dollars. Oh, they definitely they hit that a, bar. They at least made a hundred dollars. I think they made that off me with the damn ticket prices these days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so originally the projections that I saw were uh, north of three hundred million, okay. but um, according to Deadline, as of Friday midday, that had been adjusted. And now they were looking at around between 238 million to 250 million. Um, and that it would have to something, something catastrophic would have to happen in order for it to see less than $200 million. Oh, my uh, God. You, you mean like a, a new variant of a pandemic? <laughs> no, because around. that apparently did nothing. Like, <laughs> Shit is already in full swing, bro. <laughs> Dude, I haven't seen the 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 movie theater building. Like, forget the 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 the, the actual like theater that I was yeah, in, yeah. but like the building, I haven't seen it that packed since pre-COVID. It was un agreed, agreed, and like uh, well before, right? Like, I think it's 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 Endgame, right? Like, that's the last time I saw a movie theater this packed. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um. Yeah, uh, according to the deadline, it says that it's the second best opening day in the history of the domestic box office behind only Endgame and ahead of Force Awakens. So that's fucking nuts. I did not think it was going to. I mean, I never underestimate the power of Spider-Man, but like, fuck, like <laughs> that's wild that they were able to hit that and, and have like a, bre- a record breaking opening, not even weekend day. When, you know, before this seemingly, right, there's been no movie that's felt like it's totally unaffected by, you know, the context of of the movie going reality right now, right? Like, there's some amazing context, like, so comparing it to another pandemic movie, Black Widow, Black Widow made $13.2 million in its Thursday which they call they refer to that as preview night. Mm-hmm. But talking about other like pre-pandemic movies, 15 million for Spider-Man Homecoming. What? Unbelievable. That's yeah. it. Okay. That's it. Holy shit. That's it. That's at a little bit of a different time. I think people were a little trepidatious because of how rough Amazing was our and- third Spider-Man reboot. Right, exactly. I think there were some some feelings there. But uh yeah, that's amazing. It's spectacular, it's awesome, and uh go see it. Really thought you were you said go for a, amazing, a full, spectacular, and yeah. then awesome, and I was like, I I really thought you were gonna say like friendly neighborhood. Yeah, right. <laughs> sensational. Sensational. I should have said sensational. It's web of Yeah. <laughs> web of <laughs> We can't yeah, talk about it. It's the many uh, lives of. <laughs> it's well, yeah. It's avenging. That it's was blue. that was one of the times too. It's blue. Um, we can't talk about it. We can't tell you anything because it'll be a spoiler. So go listen to our review if you're curious about our thoughts. Um, definitely listen to our review. You you're gonna want to hear this. Uh, it's out now. So um, if you want to hear us talk about that. Finish this up with us and then go jump over there. Um, I hope this movie makes the billion. I want to see that happen uh, for everyone involved. I think it's super cool. Um, 
other than that, yeah, go see it. Oh my god. This is another thing. It says here that No Way Home is commanding 90% of the entire weekend's ticket sales. Yeah, 90% of people that saw a movie this weekend, it's Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, what else is even out? Uh Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Oh yeah. Story, yeah, right? I mean, that's oh, not that's true. not an that's not insignificant, you know. That's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, compared to Spider-Man apparently. <laughs> Um, and you know, it's funny because people complain about superhero movies and stuff like that, right? Oh, they're, they're, they're too prevalent, you know, whatever, like they're ruining things. There would, I'm positive of this. There would not be a Hollywood as we know it right now due to after the pandemic, if it weren't for superhero movies, I have no doubt about that at all. Yeah. What else would you what else would have carried this year if it weren't for movies like this? Nothing. James Bond, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, that's like bigger in certain markets, right? Like, obviously, that's a huge fucking deal overseas and everything. Um, But yeah, I mean, that Dune, like it would have been like three Mm. movies spread out even then across the whole year. I would have said Dune and I would have said Matrix, but they're over on HBO Max. Right. So when you're talking about like movie theaters, you know, you're you're really only talking about superhero movies. I think that's the thing, right, is to your to your point, Sean, I think superhero movies are the only movies that are big enough in terms of like appealing to the widest audience that the the you know Disney specifically is bold enough to be like people will go you know um I think I think we probably would have continued leaning into the streaming thing the streaming option um which would have just choked out movie theaters right like yep who knows if they would go away but we had that conversation forever ago about like Disney was thinking about buying AMC and things like that and like. Yeah, I mean, I think that probably pretty easily could have happened if you didn't have these movies as tent poles to encourage people to go to the theater. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you got something there, Kale? I was just thinking, I feel like the streaming situation might not exist as it does without the superhero films. Explain that. Well, if if you're going to go with you know, the superhero stuff directly, I feel like you would at least go as far back as the Netflix Daredevil stuff, right? The the Netflix Daredevil, the Netflix Marvel stuff, I mean. Um, and if that stuff isn't there, no one else sees the potential for, mm. you know, all these streaming services or whatever. That's like a stopgap. Yeah. So we might not, be in this you know situation the streaming situation in the first place yeah i mean i think when you think about the early days of of netflix i would say daredevil is one of when you think about like the kind of the volume one breakout programs that netflix was able to produce that's one of them you know it's like that house of cards orange is the new black some of those other earlier programs um was that 2014 i was in college so it had to be like 2013 2014, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember season one. I think I was already 
at Rowan at that point. So it would have had to been around that time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about Kickstarter. In our because in our main topic, we're going to be talking about you know Kickstarter. They made some choices, and um, not everybody, not anybody is happy. So we're going to discuss that within the context. I mean, nobody but Marco. Uh, we're going to discuss that in the context of comics because obviously that's what we care about over here. What does Kickstarter's crypto future mean for comic books? Nothing. Good. Debatable. That's what we'll do. (laughs) All right. Basically, the story that we are here to talk about is that Kickstarter, you know, the biggest crowdform crowdfunding rather platform on Earth, they've decided to pivot into crypto now. I want to say up front that I am not a crypto expert, okay? I don't understand all of the inner workings and machinations behind cryptocurrency and NFTs. I, NFTs I kind of get because we talked about that here. Um, but like all that stuff, uh, you know, I don't fully understand it. I just know that, you know, we're not fans of it and people don't like it. Um, but this week, Kickstarter put out a blog. Actually, even before that, there was a rumor. Someone had, I forget who it was. They broke the rumor that Kickstarter was going to be uh, shifting into crypto. And then it was, it was announced. It became a fact. Um, And, you know, they basically said, oh, it's going to make everything better. It'll, everything's going to be open source. They used a lot of phrases in their blog post talking about how this was going to sort of be a way to make Kickstarter more available to everybody, more accessible, uh, more open. Um, It gets around government interference and things like that, which I don't even know what relevance that has to anything. Um, You know, just a lot of a lot of that kind of talk. And they didn't really say how it was going to help at all. And again, I'm not an expert. But when I read it with my layman brain, I didn't understand why it was necessary. I don't feel like they said anything that made me go, oh, yeah, okay, I I get that. Um, Frankly, at all. Um, But I'll read a little bit from it. Uh, So here we go. Um, Since 2009, more than $6 billion has been pledged on Kickstarter, funding over 200,000 creative projects that otherwise may never have been made. These projects have been remarkably generative, creating an estimated 750,000 plus part-time jobs, 80,000 full-time, and over 20,000 companies and nonprofits, and $13.5 billion in additional economic impact. Yet, despite all these impressive numbers, there remains an endless line of talented and creative people waiting for opportunity. Our mission is to bring creative projects to life is a pledge to help unlock this latent potential in people and their ideas. To truly serve that mission, we need to build on what made Kickstarter so innovative in the first place, the power of a large network of people working together towards a common goal. 
So today we're announcing our commitment to a more open, collaborative, and decentralized future. As a first step, we're supporting the development of an open source protocol that will essentially create a decentralized version of Kickstarter's, of Kickstarter's core functionality. This will live on a public blockchain and be available for collaborators, independent contributors, and even Kickstarter competitors from all over the world to build upon, connect to, or use. We think bringing all that we've learned about crowdfunding since 2009 to inform the development of a decentralized protocol will open up exciting new opportunities for creative projects to come to life. In the coming weeks, a white paper will be released outlining the technology and plans for the protocol. There's a lot more language that basically says the same things that I just said. Uh, they go on to talk about how they are working with uh, a carbon negative blockchain platform, referencing, you know, how it's essentially referencing people's concerns. Um, and they're saying, hey, we're doing this, but we're going to do it in a way that's going to not impact the environment. Okay. And yada, 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 honestly, it's just a lot of talk and it doesn't really say a lot. Not to me. If Marco, Pete, if it says more to you, feel free. I don't want to get too bogged down in the tech stuff. Sure. So really, whatever you're about to say, this is the only time I want to talk about it, because that's not the most important part of this. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll add a little bit of context because I'm certainly not an expert on on crypto and, and NFTs and stuff. Um, but I have a, a basic understanding of it. And I'm sure Marco knows uh, a bit more than I do. Um, but my initial reaction to this is uh, one of frustration because I think it speaks to a major problem with just how like markets work in in our country and like this idea that like because Kickstarter is a publicly traded company that is growing they need to continue to grow and grow and grow and them feeding us that line about like oh yeah like we want to be innovative like we were in 2009 by jumping onto this trend that everyone else is jumping onto as a way like we want to be prospectors on this market and see if we can leverage this to make a ton of money um i i I don't think there's any way that this is beneficial to what Kickstarter is, right? Like the ability for them to provide creators with the ability to leverage NFTs to make more money, you know, is something that I think I could see how somebody could make the argument that that is in line with Kickstarter and makes sense to a certain degree. Um, but them feeding us a line about this being like carbon neutral is like really... I don't know if you do pretty much any amount of looking into how crypto is mined and like the the technological you know burdens of of creating cryptocurrency there really isn't a, a carbon neutral way to do it um you can you know do it in a I guess more green way but the most green thing to do would be to not do this at all right. um and that's that's my comment on the technology side of it is that like my my biggest issue with crypto and and all of this stuff is there is a tangible and measurable environmental impact to make this exist at all and really all it does is grow people's personal wealth and all the commentary about 
you know, how it's going to decentralize currency and this and that. Like, it doesn't have the foundation that a currency needs to for that to actually happen. Like, crypto isn't based on anything in the way that, you know, like the American dollar is tied to something physical, right? Like, it, it, it all comes back to us buying into the system of of the American dollar, right? right? And yeah, you could argue that that's the same thing, right? If everybody agrees that crypto is worth something, it's worth something. But there are a lot of stories, like I, you know, you could very easily go find these of folks who mistakenly um, transfer all of their money to somebody by accident or, you know, uh, cash out in the wrong way and lose thousands of dollars, like, it's it's not a stable established system. It's very like ramshackle. Um and it's I don't know. Like I, I really don't think that there is any benefit to it aside from the ability to to make money because there are people buying into it in the same way that there was like a collectors prospectors market with like comics in the nineties, where that didn't actually contribute to health for the industry or anything. Just a lot of people bought spawn number one for a week okay right great um i think we're fast approaching a situation like that here and i i truly truly do not think it's long before the bubble bursts on it you know i i don't i don't think it will continue um unfettered in this way i really don't think it can so i think the big thing that the article that kickstarter is trying to get across is the decentralized notion which outside of it being on the blockchain um it, it they're they're looking to leverage their platform as something different than what it is right now uh, per the per the statement at least and then my understanding um because like bitcoin to, to pete's point uh ethereum the like those are coins and decentralized uh blockchain technology that are meant to maintain value so whatever value you subscribe to it, you know, the price goes up and down, et cetera. And it's tied to the U S dollar uh, or whatever currency you want to buy it in. But there are other, uh, other open source blockchain technologies and NFTs, however you might categorize it that do different things. So there's programs like Golem that specifically operate to, uh, just perform computations and because it's open source and on the blockchain you have a trackable uh, way to measure those computations and to be able to say hey this was a thing that was done and something was decrypted and etc and you were able to see this along the the blockchain uh stuff like filecoin uh you it's a decentralized file storage system so you don't have to go through a dropbox like say you don't have to go through a Google Drive. It's all stored within a uh, an open source, non-hackable, uh, safe environment. And so the 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 coins themselves operate with for different uh, for different things for different values. Sushi is a big one that people might know of that you can lend. It's almost like banking. And um, so what what the decentralization and what they're stating here for Kickstarter is they want to create a similar platform where you can work to uh, back different projects and they get maintained and measured on the blockchain. Uh, so essentially you can't go and uh, you can continue to back something 
I'm not sure how it's going to come out, like what the actual executionally it's going to look like. But um, my understanding is that they're going to be able to do so in a manner that will allow people, anybody to come onto this platform more so than the people they already are serving to be able to create more and more projects because you would be able to store the information, store the campaigns, store the projects in a decentralized way on a blockchain in a, in a way that, that maybe their servers don't have the capacity to. And uh, this will allow them to continue to back and allow other people to back projects, uh, whatever, tenfold, let's say. Uh, so that's my understanding from the, the, the purpose of uh, the announcement. Well, let's let's shift away for or unless you wanted to jump in there, Kale. Yeah, quickly. What is a blockchain? So a blockchain is a it's a piece of technology that essentially uh, marks down transactions, whatever that transaction might be, cost, computation, uh, this file lives here and it says in it's this like a like a ledger it's a yeah it's a it's a ledger and it's it's kind of like a digital encrypted. fingerprint yeah it's encrypted okay. so you the only way for you to know whether or not um something was done is to view it on this blockchain and that's confirmation that it was com whatever task was completed and you can look back and see all of the rest of the tasks that were done in a secure way because it's all encrypted like I've had smarter people explain it to me or like one of the initial uh, thoughts about how it could be applied was something like, oh, like I'm a digital artist and I create this piece of art and I put it up on my, you know, my social media and then someone steals it and goes and prints it somewhere else. Like you could ideally leverage blockchain technology to like figure out like, oh, like I have ownership of this. This person's not able to leverage it Do in that whatever. way. But but like it's not really used in that way. Like that's like kind of like an ideal scenario. Instead, we're seeing all of these other applications that, um, you know, are really different depending on what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and with it, you can do whatever. Like there's like mana. I don't know if you guys know Decentraland, but you could essentially buy property and the cost of the collective property and like the coin um, mana is uh, lives in the virtual space that is Decentraland and that property you can interchange with people. It's just it's just different ways for you to evaluate different things um, in a secure in a secure way. And right. the, I want to get off this. Yeah, go ahead. Go okay. ahead. So obviously we have talked before about how the NFT thing can impact comics. We've had that conversation several times this time though, it's hitting the industry in a way that it never has before because Kickstarter is really the biggest way that, comic book creators who aren't working for the big two or image or boom or dark horse can get their books off the ground. Even for those big companies, they've gotten some of their books off the ground through Kickstarter. Um, we just had on Christopher Sabella who had a successful Kickstarter. It, it did succeed, thankfully. Um, but he got his book done through kickstarter right we've had tons of creators like almost all the creators that we have had on this show 
at some point or another have done a Kickstarter. Almost. It's pretty close. The reason why this is potentially bad is not because of what NFTs, rather, uh, crypto does, right? Like, put that, put the negatives of crypto aside. The reason why this is potentially bad for the comics industry is because of how people feel about crypto and its impact on the world and how people feel about Kickstarter being in league with that. Yep. That's why we're having this conversation right now. And so the feeling is that now Kickstarter is no longer a place where people can morally in their minds uh, put their put their uh, their Kickstarters up, put their campaigns up or even donate to the Kickstarters, become patrons for these Kickstarters because they're in league with crypto. Mm. That is a potentially major, major problem. Just in the week since this has been announced, I have already seen lots of creators talking about feeling uncomfortable with having their campaigns running now as we speak, having to weigh that out. This news broke, I feel like, the last week of Sabella's Kickstarter, and I, I remember him tweeting about it and being like, oof, what a time to decide to get back into Kickstarters. Yeah. Right. Right. And again, this is the main way. If you listen to our interview with Sabella, he said that, um, I'm sorry, what's the B book? What, what was it called? Uh, uh, Foul Brood. Uh, thank you, Foul Brood. He said that Foul Brood was a book that certain uh, publishers had passed on, but then they got an option where they were like, hey, you know what? We've already, we've already kind of, it was Sabella and, and Claire Rowe, they were kind of like, you know what? We've worked on this enough to the point where it's kind of just ours. Let's just kickstart it. What if this situation gets to the point where, like, what if this happened? What if Sabella's Kickstarter started uh, in a month from now? What if the right? first week of it was the week this news came right. out? <laughs> then Sabella's Kickstarter might not succeed mm -hmm. because of the way people feel about this announcement. Well, and he said during that interview that he wanted to make Kickstarter as a bigger part of his output going mm -hmm. forward right. yeah that's right um maybe that changes either because he doesn't want to work with them or kickstarter becomes less viable of a platform or whatever right like all of that you know the bottom line is less comics right like less creator owned um creator driven comics and like that's bad you know um shit i mean like friend of the show uh mark bouchard right like it took Luke. This was a Kickstarter book, you know, like mm -hmm. I know that they, that was like, I think their second or third Kickstarter book. And it's like, does the next one get made now? Do they have to go to another platform where there's less visibility? Like, you know, obviously yeah. there's like the Indiegogo's and, and, but like that has its own baggage with comics gate and, you know, like I, it's not, it's not good. It's really not to, a good thing to that point. Uh, a friend of ours, Victor Dandridge, we've had on the show several times, did a Kickstarter, or I'm sorry, did an Indiegogo without realizing, I guess he just didn't know the connotations yeah. there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, it ended up failing. And then he did virtually the same 
campaign over on Kickstarter and it just succeeded. Mm -hmm. So Kickstarter's visibility and trust is why people use it. Yeah. Lesser ones don't have that same uh, uh, sort of mark on them of you can trust this. You know, because you donate to this Kickstarter, the person could leave. You know, I'm sorry. I keep even I even use the word Kickstarter. Just it, it's it's like ubiquitous for crowdfunding. It's like the Kleenex thing, right? Where yeah. it's like, yeah, like you think crowdfunding, you think Kickstarter. Like, sure, right. there are other options, but like Kickstarter was the first, and by and large, they've been the best. Yeah. To the point where it you you like I have to adjust my language to not use that word. Yeah. Like when you're talking about like wrestling people just say wwe or even wwf like that's how big of a deal kickstarter is and comics have thrived on kickstarter i think i think what i saw i saw this statistic somewhere that uh comic books are like the eighth most funded thing on kickstarter Mm eighth out of ten and it's like it's it's a shame because it's the the industries that this hurts the most are niche ones, right? Like it's comics. It's like board games. Board Board games games are fucking huge on Kickstarter. They're, I think, one of the top five things. And like most new board games get made on Kickstarter now, even if it's from an established company, like whatever, you know, like my band was only able to make our album because of Kickstarter. And it's like, is that going to be an option for me next time? I don't know. You You know, like who the fuck knows? It might not be. And like, I might not want to because I am against crypto. And like, I, I am not a fan of being in bed with a company that deals in crypto you know it's it's ironic because like to to the, the the point that kickstarter wants to make is they just want to provide more access to those to those projects um but i think and and i guess also the depending on who you partner with right for a a nft uh or, or crypto technology like because that is association's already there um it makes it hard to separate from uh, whatever, whatever amount of car- either neutrality from a carbon perspective or uh, what you're doing for like the ecosystem. Um, so Cello is the one that they used, and uh, I guess the 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 best comparison I can make is like an electric car, but you associate cars with gas, uh, with with gas guzzling, and so yeah. because of that, you know you can. Um, it, it, there's a there's a moral imperative to not want to support let's say the usage of oil and gas in that way um where because there are companies that um minimize by tens of thousands of tons carbon emissions and plant back trees etc that, that do whatever from like a green standpoint and are be company certified but the association is still that well it's crypto and therefore whatever um so i guess it's a shame because if kickstarter just wants to make more make it more accessible and make more of these projects come come true like you can have i forgot who we had somebody on on the show at some point who uh wanted to started a kick had, had a kickstarter was unsuccessful but um by assumingly by having this in place you could get those smaller projects funded um in a in an easier way Obviously, promotion notwithstanding, but um, it makes it more accessible to those people. See, my issue with that, right, is 
I read the blog a couple of times and I don't understand how that is going to happen. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. And like that, that's the part that like, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, it works differently for different things. Um, I don't know how you're going to create an ecosystem that, uh, expands the amount of people that you can have on your system. Uh, I'm assuming it's a server. It's like a server management perspective, but I don't know what it's going to look like executionally, but based off of other cryptocurrencies, I don't think it's not feasible or possible. I I think that, I think where that gets sticky for me is like, I just don't, I don't see how they've explained that vision at all. Like to your point, Marco, right? Like, could that literally be the case? Potentially. Sure. But like nothing they've said explains how this makes things better or more accessible or anything like that. I think the only thing that it says to me is, Hey, we're going to enable crypto and nft and stuff to be a part of what we do at kickstarter so like yeah maybe there will be new projects related to those industries and those spaces and blah 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 blah. but that doesn't help anybody that already uses kickstarter that helps kickstarter and weird crypto nft blockchain projects but that's not that's not what it's saying it's saying that it's it's creating a an open source protocol it's basically creating a like a program that is saying you can promote yourself on this, right? It is not related to the actual sales of whatever valuation for a coin. It's some sort of, uh, and to your point, it's not being described well, because I'm, I'm not following as like how it's gonna work mechanically, but it's it's creating a, a system to allow other people to join Kickstarter. Sure, but like, but, but again, in what way, right? Because it's like you can join Kickstarter at any time. Like there's no barrier for you to do that. So my, and maybe I didn't um, express what I was saying clearly. I feel like all this does is encourage people who are in the crypto blockchain NFT space to try to come to Kickstarter. It's like trying to attract that existing market to Kickstarter is what it sounds like to me. And I don't know, like, why is yeah. I, I don't I don't understand the line that they're drawing between well if we get these people on the uh the platform these projects will get funded easier it's like but but it's but not about they? trying to get people it's not about trying to get people onto like those specific people onto the platform then what is that because it's not like we're opening up a way for you to create your own cryptocurrency or for you to create your own nft and less no, so but even, to like use those things on the platform right like no no not even that like not even to be able to say we now accept bitcoin it's not saying that it, 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 whatever this protocol is, it's creating a platform, a separate platform that is based off of Kickstarter's already plug system. Whatever the Kickstarter platform is, they're using the block, it's blockchain technology um, to consolidate those bits of information into whatever they want to output. And that's the part that isn't clear to your point. Yeah, it's like how so, does that, to, to what end? Um, and that's the part that I'm not sure of. So there is an FAQ, which of course there is an FAQ. And that's, uh, that's a sign that you had a good, effective press release because I need to freaking <laughs> ask some questions. So Kickstarter said, we know our community has a lot of questions about this new direction, including how it will benefit creators and how we'll stay true to our environmental commitments. We are listening. We've started an FAQ at the link with what we've been asked the most. The bottom line, we're doing this because we believe it will benefit creators and exponentially expand our ability to help bring creative products to life. We can't do this alone, and we're planning on more ways to make sure your voices are heard. Now, 
I read the not an FAQ. And I'm telling you that I understand not anything more than I understood before. Um, it's frustrating that they can't seem to explain what this is. Like, it's just, it's just, I just don't get it. They say that they're going to give creators more tools um, that people will be able to use the Kickstarter technology to build new tools and things like that. But like, we've been fine. It's not out yet, but they're going to be releasing a white paper and that's essentially like protocols and what and how it's going to be used. So they haven't, they haven't actually like announced the, like the, the mechanical parts of this. Yeah. Um, And that's going to be coming out whenever they said in the next coming weeks. So like we'll have further details there. Um, but this is to, I think, disassociate from the fact that we're, they're not looking to create a coin, an NFT. They're not, they're not looking to, to leverage the platform in that way. They're looking to leverage the blockchain technology. I don't know how it's going to come out in whenever the white paper comes out. It's also worth pointing out that it does appear. I don't know if they, if, if it's true that they accept crypto now, cryptocurrency, um, but it, the language of this one piece does give the impression that they will be, which I, I guess I don't know if that's a problem or not, but it says, does this mean at some point in the future, you'll only accept cryptocurrency? No, backers can still use normal debit credit cards to pledge to campaigns and creators can continue to receive local currency to fulfill their projects. You won't be required to back projects or accept funds in cryptocurrency. Required tells me that it will be an option. Yeah, I would imagine so. And yeah. Yeah, and I would imagine that they're going to probably try to start encouraging folks to be like, you can make an NFT part of your rewards and you can do this and you can do that. And, you know, we have tech to facilitate that. Like, I doubt that they're dipping their toe into this market, right? Like, I'm sure that they, like many companies, are making a gamble that this is going to be a major part of, of markets and how, you know, art is distributed moving forward. Um doesn't seem like consumers agree with rare exception and we're already we're well let's already, just let's just look at wait. that marco 75 percent of us not interested you agree but you don't even know what, what they're it is doing. no no, no I, I don't know what they're planning to do specifically with the blockchain but if they're going to create nfts and allow that as like an option it's not inherently bad okay so we're already seeing the <laughs> negative effects of this for comics because Jamila Rouser, uh, who was the comics outreach consultant for Kickstarter, has resigned. She said, I've resigned as Kickstarter's uh, comics outreach consultant due to their blockchain decision. It's been a rewarding experience and I'm grateful to have helped creators fund projects. However, I can no longer advocate for them while staying true to myself and the community I love. That's not great. If we're already losing our people, it's a bad look inside, you know, and you got to figure comics probably doesn't have that many people inside Kickstarter to begin with. We lost our person because of this decision. What is the impact of that? We don't even know, right? And we're only talking about eight out of, we're only talking about eighth out of 10. What about, as Pete said, board games? What about music, right? What about like other kinds of art? There's so many things that people use this for. 
What about those representatives and those outreach consultants and whatever people that we need for Kickstarter to function for us leaving the business? That's not great. To that point, Sean, right? Like one of the, especially in the early days of Kickstarter, a lot of the most visible campaigns were video games, right? And like Hmm. a lot of publishers moving into the NFT space, not a lot of gamers happy about that. Yep. It's like, oh, hey, how do you take loot boxes and, and season passes and these things that gamers already don't like and make them worse and more expensive and more exclusionary? Awesome. Yeah. Love that. So good for the distribution of art to make it less accessible and more expensive. Awesome. You're totally right. And again, it's like I don't even necessarily understand the like world impact of this. I only understand that people are unhappy. And so my biggest concern is about how will this will affect the comic creator on the ground who's trying to get their their book out there, who's trying to get, you know, some some, you know, some recognition, some notoriety, do they turn away from Kickstarter? What is going to happen next? I'm worried. I'm very concerned about the future of comics because the future of comics, 100%, undoubtedly, is in crowdfunding. I firmly believe that. You can have your Marvels and your DCs and Image, and that is awesome. That's great. But you can't get, like, Mark Bouchard, right? Friend of the show. Up-and-coming creator. Who knows what we'll be talking about as it relates to them in 10 years. They could be one of those next creators who is like, you know how we always joke about the 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 the, the young Stone guns breakers. or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Who knows? Right. Their future is bright, but their 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 beginning was in Kickstarter. So what happens if in a year from now or two or whatever, Kickstarter is no longer the premier place for crowdfunding and nothing usurps it. And it's, it's another anecdotal example, right? But another friend of the show, uh, artist Plaid Klaus, right? Um, who we've we've known for years. Uh, we, we were talking with Plaid at Comic-Con this year. And, you know, Plaid has spent the last couple years working on uh, Hivemind, uh, their yep. next big Why book. Why do you just have that there? It's like all my shit is just like right here. <laughs> <laughs> Every Kickstarter book I've ever been in, it's right here. <laughs> um, and... You know, uh, he took, I think it was like two, three years. He's been working on this book and getting it, you know, really trying to get it right. It's his first as first at bat as a writer and an artist. And, you know, he just said a few days ago he was going to launch a Kickstarter for it. Right. And it's like this is a book that's been years in the making, hours and hours of work. Like, what is the way to get it funded where you're not? giving some of the rights away or, or any of those other things, right? Like, you know, and, and you know, Platt has expressed, like, about how, um, you know, and this is, like, what Jeremy said last week, right? Where it's, like, if you're an image book, like, it's great for exposure, but you don't get a lot of support. Like, you're kind of just out on your own. So it's, like, Kickstarter is really the way for you to do that and and have some of that cushion if you've been able to build an audience, you know, being able to leverage the fan base that you've worked to create, you know? Um, the fact that this could be a threat to that is really bad. Like it, it, it is not good for the health of us getting, you know, unique stories that publishers aren't willing to take a risk on. And like that leaves the industry lesser for it, you know? 
I, I think it's a shame because it feels like it's a lack of uh, it's a lack of transparency and information on the part of the people who are wary of cryptocurrencies and the technology because it's being used in other applications that are beneficial, but it's hard to convince people once there's like a public consciousness uh, that's against it. Um, and I think that that's frustrating because again, we don't know the actual way it's going to be rolled out, but if this, if the, the whole premise of this is to allow more people more access and to be able to create more, then it's a shame that we're going to be stunting that because, uh, people don't understand. I, I think that that argument is tough for me to swallow though like i've heard other people like espouse that where it's like oh like there's this public perception of what this actually is versus the potential of how it could be applied but i think the reason that there's this public perception is because at least to my experience and what i know i can't think of one example of it where it's a, a overt positive thing versus something that comes with a lot of baggage and a lot of problems and a lot of you know, um, negative disruptions. And until we see an example uh, that is like a major mainstream success that exists outside of that, there's going to be that stigma because why why wouldn't there be? You know, it's like, I I think that's a tough argument to like stand behind because where is the positive application aside from things that are theoretical versus the real life application which is, you know, for all the reasons we talked about earlier, problematic at best. Well, like one of the one of the ways that it's being used now uh, is for food production companies. So they've implemented blockchain technology to track food deliveries, to track. Uh, so like I, I don't I think it was maybe earlier in the summer there was like uh, e coli whatever with like lettuce or some shit like that was all done and categorized and found via blockchain techno- technology because it it was using a system that wasn't housed in one space but it was being shared amongst all the companies and distributors that were being used and they were f- and they were able to find the source of the, the outbreak and be able to address the actual shipping of it because quicker than they would have otherwise because they were using the shared system on the blockchain and like the companies are continuing to do that, um, especially retail, uh, food. Uh, I think uh, even even production of um, of not the vaccines, but in medicine, like you, you use blockchain in order to be able to be like, hey, this is a piece of information that I need for this piece, and um, it, it's getting implemented in a lot of places, and it's doing the good. But I think there's that lack of exposure outside of well, it's bad for the environment. Um, and there are companies that the same way that you have cars that are uh, environmentally friendly or whatever, they're trying to get planes to do that, right? Like there, there are companies out there that are making the same strides. So my last thought, and it, it is a response to what you just said, Marco, is that, you know, one thing that Kickstarter has proved, they have proven this since their inception is that people have the right to choose and they will sure. and they will support what they want. And that's like the basis of Kickstarter and Kickstarter has now put themselves in a position where they have chosen to support something that the people don't want to support. And now the mighty very well may fall. 
Um, and ultimately, I agree with the sentiment of what you're saying and that if there is the potential for positives to come from the use of crypto, it would be unfortunate if we were to not get those benefits as a as a collective humanity um, because of a lack of understanding. But I think that when you look at the implementation of crypto over the last few years in particular, especially since COVID, a lot of it appears to be for things that don't matter. And we're only ever talking about it and hearing about it in the context of things that are irrelevant in the grander scheme of things. Is it really that great to have, uh, you know, another, you, another form of like money when it's killing our environment? I think I'll just stick with my cash. You know, um, do we really need, to harm the environment even further so that gamers can have an exclusive quote unquote um you know image armor from the video skin game. or some bullshit yeah, like, skin yeah, or like, something fuck that like probably not and so if the conversation surrounding crypto was based around what you're talking about and those other things came later then we could argue about those things being bad while addressing and acknowledging what's good but it didn't happen like that. And I think that's the problem. And we are in this situation now where the public consciousness is saying, no, this is bad. We don't want it. And that's the world we have to live in for now. And unfortunately or fortunately, I think that that's going to mean in the case of Kickstarter, they're either going to have to change their minds or accept that people will leave in droves. And we, as comic book fans, have to pay a lot of attention right now. We have to pay so much attention for the next year to see what platform creators will choose to switch to and follow. I, and I wonder if a competitor doesn't erupt from this. Yeah, that's, that's what has to happen. In order for... Uh, the crowdfunding concept to succeed beyond this, a competitor has to emerge. Kickstarter has never had a competitor. I don't care about your Indiegogo's. I don't care about any of that. They're not real competitors for Kickstarter. And I recognize that there are successful Indiegogo's. I'm not saying there aren't. Sure. I'm just saying that Kickstarter is where it's at. I'm like waiting until Patreon launches a sub brand where it's like, oh, it's this, but we own it. They're diving into crypto as well. So yeah. didn't they back out though? Oh no, that uh, was Discord. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah, Discord yeah. announced that they were considering getting into the the space and everybody was like, uh no, fuck you. And a bunch like hundreds of thousands of people canceled their Discord Nitro subscriptions. So they immediately backpedaled and were like, Never Damn. mind. Just something we we were talking about. No worries, we've heard you loud and clear. And so it does feel like these companies really want to get in the mix with crypto, but the people are saying no. And I really hope that Kickstarter changes their minds and reconsiders this. Maybe wait until the, the, the conversation around crypto is different, if it's a positive at all, or just accept that it's a negative and don't do it. Um, or at the very least, explain in a clear fashion how this is going to benefit the creators and the, the, uh, the community, which they've bungled. So my final stance is reverse this, please. But if not, fans, be ready to pivot and go where the creators go, because we still want to support. The mission has not changed. 
Maybe the platform changes, but our goal doesn't. And I really hope that this does not negatively impact the great creators who are just trying to get their books out there that don't have anything to do with this decision at all. If you're thinking about backing a project right now and you're on the fence, don't let this be the thing that stands in your way because that creator did not choose this decision. And maybe we evaluate down the road as we learn more information. But for the time being, please don't stop supporting. Yeah. Because this is all these people have. This is their livelihood. This is big. That to me, that's bigger than Kickstarter. You Fuck hurt Kickstarter. You hurt that creative team more than you hurt Kickstarter in that scenario, I think. And yeah. To Sean's yeah. point, I think when we have more details, we can have a broader conversation about where we go from here as a community. But for somebody who has been planning a Kickstarter for months and it's out now and like they're swept up in the middle of this, like don't let their book be the casualty if it's a book you are going to back. Right. Yeah. If you were going to back it anyway, just do it. Yeah. And if it's someone you like or a, bo- a, a a creative team that you're new to and something that looks good, just back it. For now, I think that's safe and then we'll figure it out, you know, but let's stick by the creators here. Yeah. And I, I think I'd give it a few weeks until the, the white paper comes out to like officially right. see how it's going to work. Yeah. Because um, it, it could very well be uh, a net positive and, you know, the association is just the negative. The onus is on Kickstarter at this point to make to prove that, right? To sure. come out and explain why what they're doing is different, how it will be beneficial to the platform, and how it isn't just a a money play. Because you know, I get it. Businesses exist to make money. Um, that's fine. There's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but like I said earlier, I think one of the real failures of capitalism is this need to constantly be bigger than you were the year before right? Markets top out. There comes a point where you can't make more money than you've made non-organically. And if that gets in the way of your product and what you did and what you've built that's successful, that's insane and asinine. And we've seen it happen to companies with more money and more resources where platforms get destroyed because they over-engineer adding shit when what was good enough was good enough. Um, And I'd hate to see that happen to Kickstarter because it's been a a vital lifeline for independent creators um, of all uh, backgrounds. So I would really hate to see that go away. Same. We'll leave it there. If you've got alternative points of view on this, we're open to hearing about it. Uh, Bring it on. Um, Make sure you listen to our Spider-Man review. Spider-Man No Way Home out now. Our review is... uh, you're gonna you're gonna be interested. I, I'm sure of that. Uh, lots of <laughs> lots of uh, lots of opinions. Find out whether or not I have to watch <sighs> six six Pirates of the Caribbean movies and pick up Marauders because it's pirate related. Yeah, I was gonna do that anyway. <laughs> um, you know, I can't stay away from this shit, man. Um, <laughs> Listen to our book club when it drops on the 28th. We're doing Scott Pilgrim books one and two. Um, Check that out. Give that a listen. Remember to listen to our comic book reviews. This Wednesday, our image reviews will be out. We've got Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. Number three, we've got Gunslinger Spawn. uh, Number three. And uh, what was the other book we did? Radiant Black 11. (laughs) Thank you. Radiant Black 11. And uh, for Marvel and DC, we'll be doing Trial of Magneto number five for some reason. And who knows what else? We'll talk about that. 
on Thursday when you can check that out. Other than that, let's get into the plugs. Pete. Thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, come chat with me about what you think about this whole situation um, with Kickstarter. Uh, and if you want to get some more stuff from me, uh, you can go check out my band, Long Friend Time Friend, if you like noisy punk rock. And you can go to flipscreen.games for links to my video game podcast. All right, Kale. If you liked my contribution to this conversation about crypto and, <laughs> and NFTs, um, you can find um, you know, my extended thoughts on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. You can also uh, find some really good uh, work related to this conversation um, on my website. You know, on my website, you know, my portfolio uh, at kaleward.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Get the exclusive Marco's Chewable Enema NFT. That's Ooh. right. Enema coin. Oh, my God. I hate Why? that. I hate that oh so much more God. for no reason. <laughs> um. Gold coin that says NMA. <laughs> You can uh, find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Mark Onomoto. Uh Come wait for the dip. Wait for the dip and then buy. And then that's just going to a little move. Um, talking about Flash forward to like three months from now and Marco's living on the side of the street in a cardboard box. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I've seen my portfolio fall. Um, <laughs> on that note, I've uh, been re-watching. What am I watching? What am I watching? I finished Naruto. And I've decided, oh, I got to finish and catch up on Agaretsuko. And that's been hilarious. I fucking love it. It's cute, super adorable, sort of workplace comedy anime. Um, and uh, and then I've been reading, uh, I've been reading some sexy mangas, but that's for another, that's for the Patreon exclusive uh, is show. That, is that what this section is for? I didn't know that. I've been doing stuff too. Marco likes to just list. Things. Yeah, I could spend 20 minutes listening to things I've been doing. I'm saying so you can talk to me about it. No one wants to talk to you about sexy anime oh, or manga. Okay. Except Matt Someone Murphy. hasn't been on the internet. Listen, man, I've been on the internet, okay? <laughs> I've seen it all, and no one here wants to talk to you about that. Right. How many times has somebody gotten your DMs or added you about that? uh zero point zero funny enough i was gonna bring this up in the nft thing but a few years back uh there's this nsfw artist that i follow and he's a big nft like art supporter uh and we got into like a whole conversation about it so does that count count as what your time is up (laughs) your time is up uh as for me you can follow me on twitter and instagram only at sean soapbox Hit me up to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. Keep it spoiler-free for a few more days. I think it's fair. Or you can DM me, I guess, and we can talk there. Uh, Because I did see it. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Go check out our No Way Home review. Until next week, I'm Sean for the rest of these chuckleheads saying take care, guys.